For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. It's indeedy on a free food Friday. Your chance to scoop big food, well, a lot of food for 15 to 20 of you, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. I'll tell you more about that throughout the course of the morning, but a lot of you already know the drill. You got to text or WhatsApp who you are and where you're working and why we should pick you to 086 8104 And I will start at the shout outs uh, around about quarter to 10 this morning. So get texting on that for Free Food Friday. Text 0868 104 106. Uh, paper-wise this morning, there's a lot in the news. There certainly is. But one that really I found awfully upsetting and terribly, terribly, terribly sad is a story that makes many of the newspapers. I'm reading it in the, uh, the Irish Daily Mail this morning of a, a young Dublin girl who died by suicide. Uh, she was being bullied, lads, by other children in her school about her weight. The inquest was yesterday, and if I could just kind of paraphrase it myself, having read a lot of the articles on it this morning, um, they, they only discovered her family of uh, poor old Sophia. They only discovered really how bad it was after she had passed away. And God Almighty, haven't we heard that in the past? Although the family knew she was struggling and trying to help her, uh, they didn't realise how bad it was until they actually got to see some of her notebooks. But the family of Sophia Gray has called for greater efforts to be made now to tackle the problem of cyberbullying, uh, given the background of how she ended her life two years ago. She's only 13. I won't go into the details. All the papers do. I won't go into the details of how, how her life ended. But they were all concerned, and poor old Sophia as well, about her weight. Right, And the thing about bullying now is it's not left in the classroom or it's not left in the playground anymore. It follows uh, somebody who's been bullied home. It follows them into the sanctity of their own home. It follows them into their safe place in their own bedroom. And it gets into their head because of, um, you know, it becomes cyberbullying, if you like. Well, that's what it actually is because it's uh, with the use of smartphones and indeed um, all sorts of messaging apps. She was absolutely tormented. In fact, part of the article says, her mum says that Sophia was downstairs with the family. She was watching Friends on television. She was obviously demented, though, in her head with regards to the bullying. There she is watching Friends on TV on the evening of her death. She went up to her bedroom around 9pm. Um, the family would check on her, for sure they would, but everything seemed fine until the following morning. Because Sophia would usually be up and pottering around and getting ready for school. And there was no movement at all inside in the bedroom. You can imagine what the misfortunate family discovered. There was a lot of evidence at the inquest. She was being bullied through text messages from a girl who was constantly giving her hassle. Um, that was some of the terminology used. It was a lot more than hassle. Um, I don't know if it was multiple people who were on her on her case, but certainly one girl, um, not named in the inquest or anything like that, were giving, was giving her an awful time. And Sophia was very, very conscious of her weight. When her family found her diary, apparently, there were entries in it like, Don't eat today. Underlined, underlined, underlined. I swear to God, it's just an awfully, awfully sad story. And, you know, for anybody listening, it's an awful story. But for people who have children, it's just awfully sad because they're so vulnerable now. And, you know, at a very vulnerable age where they really are very much affected by what people think about them, what people say, uh, and the messages they get. I don't know. I just go on about that all day. It's awfully sad. Will anything ever be learned from it? You heard in the news at nine o'clock there, um, it's a story that's led in this morning's echo of the carer who stole €45,000 from a vulnerable elderly woman. Um, Well, she's uh, off to jail now for a two and a half year prison sentence. Um, I'll be coming back to that story a little later on with Barry Rhodes, Southern correspondent with the Irish Times, because he was in court for it, but 
the upside is that uh, she was a thief and she withdrew time after time after time after time money from the elderly person's ATM machine and literally cleaned it out. I think she left a few cents in the bank account in the end. We'll have more on that. 45 grand. Um, I think one part of the, the, the court report was saying that uh, she was in jail, obviously. I mean, she was in court, obviously, for the sentencing. Um, but she um, uh, she didn't have any money to bring so all she could do was actually apologise. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. It's the story of Catherine Gregg from uh, Belgooli. Uh, three years in prison with the last six months suspended. There are a lot of other court reports. Um, the work of a social worker is very difficult. And sometimes social workers don't have the safest job in the world, you know. Um, and they need to mind themselves and they need to be careful. And I, you know, I'll give you an example of it in the papers this morning where there were words uh, in court, I'm going to end your life. Imagine that being heard over and over and over by a social worker when a man phoned her after a court case because he blamed her for his child being taken away. Uh, he can't be named, actually, because of Tusla, uh, you know, issues with regards to identifying the child or the social worker. He was Sentencing for this guy has been adjourned until March. But that's the kind of carry-on that social workers have put up with. And then there's a woman from Glen Bay who was in the courts also. It's a front page of making the examiner. She's getting jail as well because at the age of 26 she was grooming and defiling an underage boy. I know it's awful. Do you might remember that very fast chase through uh, the roads of Cork there some time ago, a couple of years ago? That was back in the courts yesterday because it was terrifying driving. It was a rampage across the county and then came into the city uh, with the driver endangering the lives of his wife and six children, uh, one of whom was seen clasping her hands and praying to God and praying to the guards to help her and stop the car that the dad was driving. So um, there's a prohibition against identifying, identifying the motorist or anybody involved in it. But that was before court again yesterday because uh, he got jailed for that. Uh, he was sentenced to four years with the last year suspended. But the other big story in the papers, of course, makes many of the front pages and the red tops just love it. And that's not the toy show, but the joy show, as in Ryan's joy show. He's got himself a new gig uh, on Virgin uh, in the UK. He'll be alongside the likes of Chris Evans and her own uh, Graham Norton. And good luck to him. He's got a new job. Moving to London. RT is behind me now. Headline in the Sun. Uh, the Mail this morning says, Tubbery's new gig in the UK sparks fears for Irish jobs. Um, And the other one then in this morning's mirror says Ryan's virgin rebirth. The fear for Irish jobs is that his virgin radio show um, in the UK is being simulcasted live on a radio station in Dublin. Ira, that's fair enough, but the worry they have is that more of this kind of stuff will happen. That before you know it, you might have Graham Norton being simulcast Monday to Friday. And it's nice to have loads and loads of choice, but I think we need to be wary that you don't want to be doing people out of a job either who would already have been on the air and be taken off the air to allow the likes of a Tuberty or indeed a Graham Norton or anybody else uh, to be broadcasting from another country into Ireland. We need to protect our own jobs. And, and you know what? These broadcasters are good, but maybe not as good as Damien Tiernan says in this morning's examiner from WLR. They're good, but maybe not as good as they actually think they are. Did you want to jump in on this? Because I need to move really quickly. Yeah, uh, just very quickly. And I, the, the other part of this, that we were talking with Mark Willington outside about it, and Mark made a very good point. The boss. That. Yeah, the man. It's it's like, it, that's all very well uh, to say, look, syndicated shows from the UK, but like, do people really want to hear Greg and Coventry's thoughts on things? Do we really want to talk? No. 
talk about popping down to rage roads on a Saturday yeah, afternoon. Leave it you know, off. Nothing to have our own here. culture. Good luck to him, and uh, yeah. he's he's got you know he's got he's got to build up a new audience in the UK because he'd be reasonably unknown. Yeah, so they get on with that. No, look, best of luck to him. It's a good career move, but I just in terms of syndication for Ireland, I, we're, we're we love radio in this country. I just can't see UK st- shows working over here. People just see through that in, in, a, in a millisecond. Wouldn't concern me in the slightest. We just everybody here just needs to get on with doing. That. I'm just saying that people need to be allowed to stay on the air here, yes. and they should not be vacating studios for British programs coming in Completely from British agree. radio stations. Yeah, but uh, even if they did, I think they'd find that would be a massive mistake. Yeah, but let, let it, let's make sure that it doesn't happen full stop. Yeah. If people want to listen to overseas stations, they can do that anyway yeah, exactly. without taking broadcasters off the air here to yeah. do it. You know this diabetes drug, Ozempic, is just one of many. That's an absolute craze for that now, and such a craze that uh, doctors and pharmacists are slow to put people on Ozempic because they can't guarantee a regular supply of it. Um, it's all, it, like, it started out as being a, a, a pill for diabetics, but it's turned into a craze slimming pill now um, and there are other ones besides Ozempic I know that but they're in such short supply because everybody wants it now to lose weight wait there's even knockoffs of Ozempic that's a story actually from this morning's mail but I did see or at least uh, Breeda did see uh, an article this morning where knockoff Ozempic similar ones are knockoffs but they being sold across the UK you can buy them in beauty salons and places like that it was a, a BBC documentary called The Skinny Jab there's a black market now in Ozempic apparently the wonder drug for diabetics but certainly the wonder 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 drug for people who want to lose weight because you're just not hungry when you're on this drug. I think I have a couple of calls on that incidentally of people who, who are, were on it or are, are on it. But if you are using it and it's being effective for you, would you get in touch, please? Text 0868104106. We're spending, we spend a lot um, at Christmas time, but we also spend an awful lot on Black Friday and it's just around the corner. It started in America and now it's all over the world. November 24th, we will spend €66,000 per minute Online, So it's in physical shops, for sure it is, but it's very much a big thing online. 66 grand per minute in Ireland during Black Friday. The Red Tops are saying we love to spend the lolly, the lolly and the ivy, I suppose that's the headline. We spend twice as much as an EU average person on the festive season, which means that we love Christmas twice as much, that we love our family and our friends twice as much, and we're twice as generous as the rest of them. So bring it on, 1,600 uh, for those uh, with children children will be spent at Christmas time this year. If you listen very astutely to the papers that I do in the morning, you might remember on Tuesday that I told you that figure was going to be about eight or nine hundred euro max. So you don't know what to believe in newspapers. One on a Tuesday says we'll spend eight hundred. Another on a Friday says we will spend sixteen hundred. I wonder does anybody anybody actually work out how much they spend at Christmas time? Are you that organised? Text 0868104106. And social media makes the papers in more ways than one. I was talking about bullying earlier on. But the blunders that make us cringe the most on social media make this morning's red tops. The biggest mistake of all is scrolling through a person's feed and liking a post from a long time ago. What? What's the big deal like? That's not earth-shatteringly bad. Send. Oh, this one is, though. Sending an embarrassing message to the wrong person or to the wrong group. We've all done that one. A third one, accidentally commenting on the wrong post or image. What? 
Get over it. Accidentally sharing a post or an image that was intended solely for the eyes of close friends or family. Yeah, that would be the biggest one, I think. That would be the most mortifying, depending on the pick, obviously. Sharing something to your entire feed or the whole social media world when you only wanted to send it to a pal. <laughs> Get the shivers on that. And you know what we often see? You know, the face of Jesus Christ in a cornflake. Or somebody else then sees uh, Che Guevara in a pancake. There's an incredible one this morning. I mean, it really is. And if it's not fake news, it is a dead ringer for Homer Simpson in the shape of a carrot with the two bulging eyes, the nose and the big huge mouth. It's an incredible thing. We should, we should share this on social, actually. Um, it's, it, it is a carrot, but it looks like the image of a puppet of Homer Simpson. It's just bizarre. Anyway, text 0868104106. The Voice of Cork. Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday. Cork's Red FM. Oh, there was huge interest yesterday in Lolly's story about our missing cat, Roncy, a grey, short-tailed, a short-haired cat with orange eyes. Uh, we got amazing calls. There was a woman on the air that blew us all away saying one way of uh, tracking down a missing cat is to talk to other cats. Actually, tell other cats that your cat is missing. Describe the cat and the cats themselves then will tell other cats. And before you know it, you got a cat patrol going on looking for the missing cat. It was a, just a bizarre morning. But anyway, poor old Ronsi's missing in Ballyvalan since the 1st of November. They've been sending up a drone a few times a day, every day. They've knocked on hundreds of doors. They send flyers everywhere. It became very interesting when I heard about the drone going up, searching housing estates and areas. But extra interesting when Lolly told me that she was about um, to employ the services of a pet detective in the UK. That's Robert Kenny, who's a Dubliner living in the UK and has a very successful business there. And I'm mad keen to catch up with them. So, Robert... Robert, good morning. Hi, good morning. Hi. Are you well? You're not on speakerphone there, Robert, are you, no? No, I'm okay. Yeah, no, I'm not on speakerphone. Okay, though. it's not, a, not the greatest line, but we'll see if we can improve it. Yeah. A- anyway, you were very much new in the news some years back when you found Sandra Bullock's missing dog. Wasn't that the case, her, her Staffordshire? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, back in 2013. Um, I was employed by her to... Um, to recover her, her pooch over in Los Angeles. And, um, yeah, three days it took us to um, work with LA Police Department and, and, re- and recover her, you know. That dog was kidnapped, I believe, if I remember correctly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was kidnapped and uh, we had to raid a property uh, in um, just outside of Los Angeles. Um, and, yeah, it was a ransom case, so... Uh, Look, she hired me to work along with the police and whatever, and it was recovered after three days. So, uh, but look, we we work in hundreds of cases of all different types of. I know uh, you do, and you know. actually, the more I read about it last night, the more sense it makes to me because you actually have very highly trained sniffer dogs. I read one by the name of Pepsi, another one by the name of uh, Sandy. They, they would work possibly in along the same lives as, as as sniffer dogs that police would employ or cadaver dogs, if you like, right? Well, yes. I mean, uh, we use uh, scent detection dogs on uh, cases, uh, you know, mainly um, they would have to be cases of missing pets up to and including like four days after that scent it, it, it would get washed away um, or, or or it's not applicable. So um, it depends on circumstances using these dogs. Um, look, they take a lot of training, you know, so only maybe one in every 13 or 14,000 can be a working dog. So uh, similar to police or, or drug dogs or whatever, 
um, they're specially trained for this type of work. Okay, and so when they are trained, they're capable of doing the work. Do they do they go to the home of the missing pet, be it a dog or a cat or whatever, and 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 sniff their scent somewhere? Yeah, they normally it can only be uh, used if the missing pet is actually like, for instance, on a cat case, like this cat in uh, Ballyvalen or whatever. So it can only be um, picked up if there's only one animal living in the house. If there's two scents from another animal, um, if there's two or more, like it, it can't work. So it's just got to be one on its own. You know? Okay, but time is of the yeah. essence. Then is it in that regard, Robert? You're saying you only it can only happen in the first few days, is it? Well, look, eighty-five percent of the eight and a half thousand missing um, stolen pets we've recovered in seventeen years, right? have been done without a search dog. So um, pretty much the training and whatever that I would have done in the United States back uh, 17 years ago um, would would allow us to be able to work out a search area for a missing pet or we can work out if a pet's been knocked down at a certain point. We use DNA forensics, um, we use high-tech equipment and we're able to ascertain um, what a general member of the public can't do. But um, with regard to this lady and her um, situation and the case, whatever... Yeah, since um, the 1st of November. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I spoke to her. I was in Cape Town um, just up until yesterday and I, I spoke to her on the phone, I think at the start of the week. I don't really know 100% on the case, but it looks to me without actually doing an investigation. It looks to me, on what I can gather from it, that this cat has probably been stolen, right? Why do you say uh, that? Why do you say that, I wonder? Well, since approximately June and the downturn in the economy all around Europe um, and around, around the world, right, we've been getting huge amounts of calls for um, pedigree cats that are missing. So cats that are worth money or can be resold. Um are you telling me that there's a chance that, that the cat, Ronsi, is out, is out of the country already? Well, I'm not saying that, but I think the potential for the cat being picked up, stolen, um, is quite high. And sold on then to a ready-made, to a ready market, somebody looking for a cat well, like look, there's, there's obviously sites throughout Ireland um, where... Um, Pets are, 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 are put up for and sold on. And, um, you know, we have access to the owners of those sites. So, um, look, all I'd say is I can't surmise with regard to any case without dealing with it. But certainly on what I have picked up on this case um, for the cat to just vanish um, and the age of the cat and what seems to be a you know, to most an expensive or an ideal cat to have, I think it's potentially been stolen. Okay. Do, do you, would you ever go on to those websites that are selling cats or dogs and um, and maybe uh, pretend to be a buyer? I mean, what I'm saying is organise a sting. Well, look, we, we've been doing this for years. and You know, I mean, look, hundreds of dogs that are stolen in Ireland and end up in the UK that are sold on black market sites and whatever, um, like they never show the picture of the real dog, so oh. or, or or the real cat or whatever. So when when somebody is actually buying um, a pet, um, you know, on, online, 
which I never recommend anyway. Um, they don't really know exactly what they're actually going to buy. Yeah, yeah. So these are all stolen pets where they remove microchips and everything else. And um, look, I'd say in the region of about between eight and 12,000 pets that have been stolen in Ireland since 2007 um, that I have um, been contacted over and have ended up, a lot of them would have ended up in the UK and Northern Ireland as well as some of them um, microchips that we've picked up where they haven't been removed um, and we've recovered three dogs um, one in Poland and two in in the Czech Republic. Okay, so your work then takes you all over the world. You just mentioned a second ago, were you on a job in Cape Town I wonder, was that a job? No, I I was actually doing a a great white shark dive for um, the charity it's called um, the Great Ormond Street Children's Sick Hospital in London and um, wow, my company, yeah, my company helps out um, with the children. We bring in pets in there and whatever. Um, we have a pet day, um, and we did a, um, I did a charity dive um, off the coast of Cape Town in a place called Gambai, um, and wow. I went into the cages for the great white shark uh, dive, and uh, oh, look, we managed to raise them fifteen thousand. So. Did you, uh, were you petrified? I mean, did a, a great white come up to the cage? Uh, yeah, look, a number of them. Uh, but look, I've done this before. Um, I did it in um, I did it in Australia and I did it in San Francisco when I was training in America. So I hadn't done it in a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, and just yeah, like, no, like Richard Dreyfus went down in a cage like that in Jaws and the, and the, the, the yeah. shark tore it apart. You weren't worried that that would happen, yeah. no? No, it's look. I'm I was with specialist trained um, divers, um, and uh, yeah, no. Look, we got great filming, um, you know, great video footage and whatever. Okay. And it was, of course, it was great and whatever to help uh, for the children and whatever. Fair play to you. Another aspect before I let you go, you talked about stealing dogs or dogs stolen to be sold on. So a big problem in Cork. I wonder is it the same across Ireland uh, where um, unfortunately pets, a lot of the time cats, are being stolen for torturing and killing or for blood baiting for no. hound dogs and for, you know... No, no, no. No, look, come here. To be honest with you, that's a lot of uh, myth. You know, uh, how many how many pets would be taken for that reason? Uh very, very few, okay? So I don't even want to discuss that really on the radio because there's a lot of people who have pets out there missing and, uh, yeah, look, it's it's, uh, it's not something like that's happening a lot, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, look, we, 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 we deal with all lost, stolen, missing pets and we deal with, you know, a lot of court cases for cruelty cases um, and, uh, yeah, look, um, we 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 promote obviously, um, you know, uh, safe animal welfare and yeah. and uh, Cork is a great county for for people uh, what they do for pets and the animal charities and um, yeah look, we've worked many many times in Cork and and always are happy to go there. Okay, and is it always dogs and cats, or have you done other types of missing animals as well? Well, uh, you know the. Um, I remember the late, um, I call him the late, great Jerry Ryan. And I remember when, when I started off and Jerry said to me, like, you know, 
if they had employed you to recover Shergar, you might have had a better chance than what happened. That's true. Um, look, we, we, we deal in so many different types of cases. We don't deal in reptile cases anymore because, unfortunately, um, I, I was, was on a case and I, I got a bite from a, a poisonous snake. So, look, it's incredible what people actually bring into, into Ireland and bring into the UK from exotic countries, you know, and just basically leave them run loose. So we did come across a case in um, on the outskirts of Dublin near Greystones where an alligator um, went missing, uh, a baby alligator, uh, back in 2015. I remember that. that. I remember that. Yeah, Were you involved but, in that? Yeah. I beg your pardon? Were you involved in that, yeah? Yeah, yeah I was indeed, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, look... Uh, did you, find, no, did you, find, you found him, didn't you, if I remember correctly? Yeah, we did indeed, yes. Wow. But uh, we, we, we deal in a lot of horse cases and a lot of ponies and a lot of donkeys that are stolen. Um, and, uh, look, it, it's... Unfortunately, it's part of a parcel of, 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 of you know... Uh, and a lot of people give the police in Ireland a lot of grief that they don't get involved, whatever. You know they don't have the resources and they don't have the manpower and compared to like to the UK in the UK they've got CCTV everywhere so when I go on a case I don't have to bring people with me I can actually go in and I feel safe approaching criminals or whatever because I have the, the knowledge of knowing that everything is covered and I think that's a problem in Ireland with regard to not only pets but safety for human beings, I know. I know. Yeah. It's just beyond belief that in this day and age, that people can be vulnerable to be attacked, and elderly people are afraid to open their doors because there's not a proper system in place. You know? I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. But we're, you know, at the end of the day, if if it's if if animals are being stolen to order and for sale, it means that it's a multi-million euro industry. Don't, I don't know if, uh, if Lolly gonna, is going to hire your services. We'll have to wait and see if that happens, but um, best of luck with what you do. I'll give out your details yeah, here, if anybody's yeah. interested in following up when they have a missing pet. What do you think? Yeah, and not only that, if anybody's interested in doing a great white shark dive, they can contact uh, me uh, through to our, our, our website, happytest.com right. you know, uh, Okay. It'll be interesting. Okay, cheers. All the best. Take care, Robert. That's Robert Kenny, Happy Tales Pets. You can further details at uh, happytalesdetectives.co.uk. Not the best phone line. My apologies for that, but I'm told it was audible. So happy enough with that. Actually, Casey had an awful lot of fun this morning um, because he was, uh, you know, checking back in on the story we had yesterday with regards to Ronsi uh, and um, the fact that Ronsi's missing. Uh, and there was uh, one particular caller who said, talk to other cats and they will tell other cats. And then before you know it, you'll have a massive cat patrol out searching themselves. The cat's doing the searching for the missing pet. So he put together a little piece of audio. It's quite funny. Cat patrol song. That's legit happened on the Neil Prendival show yesterday and that is her advice. So ladies and gentlemen, there needs to be a new show. Yeah. Forget about Paw Patrol. Let's go. Cat Patrol, Cat Patrol will be there on the dubbin. Cat Patrol, Cat Patrol when your pussy's in trouble just find a stray on any day. Describe your cat and be on your way. Meow, 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 meow. Cat Patrol, Cat Patrol will be there on the job end. Cat Patrol, Cat Patrol, when your pussy's in trouble, just have a chat with a stray cat and the stray cat will tell the other cats. Oh, oh, oh. Cat Patrol, Cat Patrol, when your pussy's in trouble, just find a stray on any day. Describe your c
Patrol! Oh, 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 Cat Patrol! Oh, Cat Patrol! <laughs> Thanks to uh, Fia on vocals. Say, yeah. right Beautiful one. vocals. I'm having whatever they have for breakfast. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, a lot of people enjoyed different parts of yesterday's programme, including the woman who said, talk to the cats. She uh, was watching too much Puss in Boots as one person. That story about telling other cats about the missing cat is bonkers, but brilliant, says Desi. Um, will you stop it? That cat woman is gas. Uh, I hope that Ronsi is reunited with Lolly and the family. I really do. Totally agree with the texture saying cat owners should keep their cats inside. There are a lot of cats in my neighbourhood and they use my garden as a toilet. It's so disgusting I have to stop my grandchildren playing in the grass because of it. Our cat went missing. After four months, we got him back. We kept him as in as a kitten to keep him safe, but as a cat, he wanted to get out. We'd be on our hands and knees trying to get him. Uh, one day, four months later, my daughter saw him on Facebook. A lovely lady was feeding him as he'd been meowing loudly at her door. There are very kind people out there, so to the family of Ronsi, keep the faith. Lots of other texts on different topics throughout the course of the morning. But I have to say, I'm very upset um, with regards to a story I'm going to share with you now. I'm joined by phone by uh, Joe Price, uh, who wants to tell the story of her nephew Lee. Let me just say that Lee has additional needs, but has been terribly, terribly uh, taken advantage of. Joe joins me by phone. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Oh, my God almighty, the cruelty and the nastiness of people. Would you mind telling our listeners the entire story from the very beginning? Um, <coughs> excuse me. So, um, Lee is my nephew. He's 19 years of age. He lives with me. Um, he's developmentally delayed. He suffers from anxiety. He was on the bus. He was in town, sorry, on the tent, which was last Friday, he was in town and some lady did see him because I've had texts, I've had hundreds and hundreds of texts and calls from people, you know, people have been so good. Um, so he was in town and he was seen by this lady outside Centra in Patrick Street with some guy. Um, she said they went off to get the boss. Can I just, can speaking. I, do you mind if I just rewind a bit? Because there's an yeah. earlier aspect to this because Lee took out 1,650 euro from the credit union last week. He did. Okay, that's where it on, starts. Um, he did on three different occasions. So um, I only found out on Saturday. Um, the week before Lee had lost his bank card. So I went to the credit union on Saturday and when I came outside the credit union I'd seen Lee at the other side of the road and I said to him where were you love and he said I went to the bank to report my bank card but it was closed and I said that's because it's Saturday it doesn't open on Saturday so I went into the credit union he had a party that night and I said come on look I'll get some money out of the credit union for you yeah. like he was under the understanding that I had to sign for it but you see I would be the carer for his his bank money. Right. So I could get it. I can only get it out of the bank. But I never minded. I never went to be, um, you know, um, in charge of his money in the credit union because that's money that I put in for him over the years. Right, right. You know, and he's never wanted it. He's never asked for it. Had you known that he'd taken 1,650 of? No. I went to the credit union on Saturday and the lady in the credit union says to me, what's he doing with his money? And I said, sir, what do you mean? She said, he's been in here a few times during the week. And I said, well, I know he paid 60 euros to get his screen fixed. Yeah. And I know he, he bought something for 25 euros. Yeah. So um, I said, look, we'll take over 100 there from his account. And I looked at the receipt and she gave me back. And I said, oh, my God. I said, 
he can't have that much left. He had a lot more than that last week when I checked. And she said, but that's what I'm telling you. She said, he came in here and he took out. And I said, you have to give me um, a record there of what he's after taking right, out. Right, right, right. And I, and, and I looked at it. And on the 2nd of November, he took out 550. On the 7th of November, he took out 550. And on the 9th of November, he took out And did out anybody in the credit union ask him, or is it any of their business, why he took out No, them? it's not. It's, no, it's not, because he's 19. All right. It's not okay. their fault. Okay. Oh, no, you I'm know, not saying I, that. I'm just saying. Yeah. Is, is no, there no, any kind of protocol ask, or anything? No, no. No, because okay. that was my fault. I should have put a block on that. No, well, it's not was, your fault. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, so, you're, you're fine. You're fine in that regard. You you're know, doing the best you um, can. So anyway, he, he's walking around with €1,650. He subsequently told you that he wanted to have his money himself. Um, yes, and then, he wanted to have his money So then, his on, on, then on Friday, lunchtime, he's inside in town, is he? Yes, All right. lunchtime. And, and what happened? He, some fella... He befriended some fella. Some fella him. Yes, some fella approached him and told him he knew him. And he asked him to come home on the bus with him. So Lee was getting the bus home anyway. He told him he knew him. And Lee was like, how do I know you? And he said, oh, I went swimming. I seen you when you went swimming with your cousin one time. My son was after bringing Lee swimming. And this guy said he knows him. So obviously he's known to us. Yeah. So he he does he does know of Lee then he he's, he, he wasn't Lee. A, he wasn't a com- Lee, Lee wasn't him. a complete no I know yeah but Lee wasn't a complete stranger to him so anyway what happened no. so anyway um, they got on the bus Lee started asking him because Lee actually recorded was recording on his phone I don't even think he knew we heard the conversation we have the conversation um, he was on the bus and Lee says to the guy can you get me fireworks. And he goes, I can, yeah, I can get you five for 10 euros. And Lee said, well, I have a 20 here. Can you give me a deal? <laughs> and, and the guy said, well, if you have 50, I'll get you 10 packets. And you can sell five and you can keep five. So yeah. you'll, be getting them, you'll be getting half them for free. Yeah. And Lee says, OK, I'll go with that. I have loads of 50s in my pocket. He's innocent out. I know, the misfortune, yeah. He's yeah, just yeah. innocent out. He said, I have loads of 50s. So, oh, he took the money anyway. Your man sees the, the man. money then, 1650 yes, and 50s. He saw the, he saw the, the money, because he had, he had the three payments together, rolled up into one that he got from the credit yeah, union. Yeah, no, that's a handy fist, it's a handy wad of 50s, 1650 yeah. euro. Your man sees and it. And God love him, he doesn't even know how much money, he doesn't know. I said to him, do you know how much money you lost? And he said, no, and I had to explain to him. I said, you know... 1,650 euros. Well, let's not jump, let's not jump ahead. So your man sees the wad. What happens then on the bus? So Lee put the money back into his pocket. He gave him the, he gave him the, um, the money for the fireworks. 50. And he put, yeah, and he put the money back into his pocket and zipped up his pocket on his coat. And um, during the, the, the times that they were coming from town to Ballantemple, the guy says to him, that's a lovely coat you have. Can I try that on? And poor Lee took off the coat and handed her over to your man. God. And then he told him that they were getting, um, they were going to go to Ballon Temple. His girlfriend was going to drop the the fireworks to Ballon Temple. So he was he was downstairs. The guy was downstairs. He went down on the bus and he shouted upstairs to Lee, Lee, get off the bus. The bus driver said you have to get off the bus. So Lee got off the bus with your man. Your man now is Lee still wearing was- Lee's coat. No, he gave it back. All right. See? Okay. And when Lee got off the bus, I think he realised his money was gone. And the guy <sighs> said to Lee, "What are you looking at me like that for? I didn't take your money." All right. There were his the words. On him, I think the, the guy money. had to get him off the bus. 
So Lee didn't say anything on the bus that his money was gone. Oh my God, that gets worse. That's what I think, oh, yeah. Okay. So a friend of mine seeing Lee, she, she actually doesn't know Lee. But when I was telling her what happened, she said, does he have red hair? Does he have fur on his collar? And I said, yeah. She said, he was dumb. He was outside my house in Ballin Temple with a guy who I thought was his carer. She said, I know he was additional needs and I thought the guy was his carer. And she said, he was bending down on the floor. He was like kneeling. And like she said, he was heavy breathing. I think he realised his money was gone. He had a panic attack. I think so, yeah. He suffers from anxiety, you see. Yep, and that's exactly what that was. So they're off yeah. the bus. Your your friend saw that, so you can that you can corroborate that he was yes. uh, suffering with you know anxiety and obviously very panicked. What did your yeah. man say to him in Ballin Temple then? He told him to get up, and he said his girlfriend was dropping the um, the the fireworks. And then when they when they were walking in Ballin Temple, he said, "Oh, change of plan." He said, um, "My girlfriend said the guards are around, so we have to go into town to get the fireworks. She's going to drop them off to us." So he brought Lee back, crossed the road, and got the bus into the city. And they got off to, in, in, in Merchant's Key. I think it was Merchant's Key. And um, your man done a legger. Your man ran. Lee, he lost Lee. Like Lee, Lee was looking for him, and he was gone. So when did you become aware of this incident and what happened? I became aware on Saturday. You see, Lee has limited vocabulary when he's trying to give you a story, you know? Okay, okay. He, I kept saying, Lee, what did you do with the money, love? And he was, it's on the bus. It's on the bus. I had it on the bus. And he kept saying this all day Saturday. And I was, no, love, it's not on the bus. You know, do you remember what happened? And then on Sunday, he came out with, and the guy told me I had a lovely coat and he wanted to try it on. And then I clicked straight away. You twigged then something was amiss, yeah. 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 Did you ask well, him then about to, that? Yeah, he said that the guy told him he had a lovely coat and can he try it on? And he tried it on because he might get one, he said. And then he handed him back to court. Oh, the cruelty of it. I know, I know. Like he, So at that stage you know, then, did you listen to Lee's phone and you heard the audio, is it? Yes, yes, we took the phone off him. He didn't even know he was taping it. And we could hear the conversation with the guy and asking him for the fireworks. And we could hear him saying, um, oh, Lee said, I paid 60 euros to get my screen fixed on my phone. And your man says, what kind of phone do you have? And Lee took out the phone and, and you, you heard the guy say, oh, t- oh, turn off your recording. Turn that off. Because before that, Lee was after saying, when he asked for the 50, he said, I have loads of 50s okay. in my pocket. Okay. okay. And then he told him, turn off the phone. Okay. So, yeah. Poor child. Then you went on the, obviously that was the, the Friday, and then on the, the, the that Saturday. That was on the Sunday I found out yeah, that the Sunday, um, sorry, your man tried on yeah. his coat. So Lee has a social worker, so I rang her on the Monday. She went to the guards, and the guards told her that um, she got back to me. I'm not sure whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday. She got back to me anyway, and she said that um, Lee has to go make a statement himself. To the so guards. So we're doing that today. Absolutely, to the, yeah. you should do it. Because I guys. ran Capwell yesterday, and they said the yeah. guards will... Um, but, like, there'd be CCTV everywhere. He was outside Centra. He oh, but listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I've just even got a text there from a bus driver. Bus driver. If you can get me the approximate time on what route it happened on, I'll get the CCTV checked on the bus for you. So there's CT, yeah. CCTV. So you have cameras on the bus where your man will be easily identifiable. You also have an yes. audio, audio recording of this guy's voice. How old is he? Yes. Um, we, well, the description was given to me. He's between 25, late 20s, 30 at the, at the, at the, the okay. oldest. Okay. 
25 to 30 years of age. Yeah. And I just, I just, I just feel that he's local, Neil. I just feel that he's local because he was getting the bus to man. Absolutely, totally. I forgot that. Yeah, he b- would be of that area. Um, yes. So it's even narrowed down even more. So you, you, yes. you're, you're going to go to Mahan Guards, though. Yeah, I'll probably take him to Anglesey Street. Okay. Okay. That's where I'll take him okay. today. Okay. He has a half day today. He's in Doris, you know, training centre. Is he very upset about it and his money? He was. It? Do you know? God love him. Like. All he wants to, he was telling me, I was like, why? And he was saying, I want to buy tickets to concerts. And there's one out in Musgrave Park. I think it's a DJ next June. He was, please, can I have tickets to this? Please, can I have tickets? Lee lives for music. He lives for music. Old, new, any music. I'm not joking you. He goes around Mahan there with a little speaker. Uh-huh, and, fair and, you know, he does. He just he just loves music. And you know, the, the kids in Mahan, most of them are so good to him. He just wants to be part of the group. He wants to be, and most of them, I'm, I'm not joking, you know, the teenagers, they're very good with him. They really, really are. Except for this cruel, nasty individual who took advantage of somebody who was vulnerable. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and robbed said, him of his, you know, his money. That I have to be his voice. He's not capable of doing this. And I'm not letting it go. I am not letting it go. Oh, no, you have a couple of things to do now. Certainly the CCTV from the bus, right? Yes. So, um, and Capwell would be very happy to give that. Um, certainly to Ungarda Shikana, okay, if you want to go to Anglesey Street, fine. I imagine that Mahan will probably investigate it um, because you have a description of him. Um, we know his yeah. age. Um, you know, the, you'll, you'll see his photograph and uh, the, the video of him on the bus. Yeah. Um, like... That's that's very good information. It it shouldn't be too much trouble to track this individual down. Now, I don't think get, so getting either. the money back that that's another matter entirely. God Almighty, yeah. that's probably all the money's well gone. gone. I'd say your man had a great weekend. I'd say last weekend. It's all, isn't the world terribly cruel? It can be fierce oh, cruel, can't it? You know, and it's just because he's so vulnerable. He's so trusting. He's like a little puppy. He'll keep coming back. You yeah, know? I know, I know, I know. It's awfully sad. You know? I'd be so angry. You know, you must be angry. You must be really, really angry that somebody he's would not, do something like this. He's not no, angry. You, you no, you must be. You oh, must me. Be. Me, I am. I'm angry. I'm so angry. Lee's very vulnerable. And, you know, it's my job to take care of him. That's my job. Yeah. Of course, your man saw the vulnerability and he saw an easy way of taking his money from him. And poor old Lee, who would get on with everybody and trust everybody, happily yeah. went along with your man's plan. I mean, I'm not I joking you. The amount of texts and, and, and calls that I've had from people that I don't even know. Everybody seems to know this child. Everyone knows Lee. Well, Everybody let's find out if anybody knows. Let's find out if anybody knows who robbed him. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Okay. Okay. Hopefully. So anybody's okay. got any information, do please share. Will you come back to me? And let me know how you get on with Capwell and the guards. I will, of course. Please will, do, course. please do, because I know so much. I know an awful lot of people will be very annoyed and angry and upset about this. I know I am. Yeah. So they'd like yeah. to know how things work out and indeed if they can help themselves, you know? Okay. okay. All right, you're very Thank good. Thank you so much. All right, Thank you so much. all the best for now. Bye-bye now. Shocking Bye-bye. thing to happen. Anybody got any information on who this character might be or any information with regards to this robbery? It was a robbery by deceit taking advantage of a vulnerable person like Lee. Text 0868104106. I hope there's a happy conclusion to this. I have a feeling there will be. There's a lot of evidence, isn't there? Now, the Neil Prenderville Show.
Show, Red FM. Very special request for a mighty man who's recovering in hospital at the moment. He's a brave man for sure. He is Michael Dunn from Glanmire, recovering from an operation in CUH. Best wishes to you, Michael. Get well soon. All of the family are thinking of you, particularly your brother, who sends lots of love. Your brother, uh, the great Pat Dunn, uh, your sister Susan, your niece Lily Sue. And can I throw everybody in here from Red FM as well to wish you a speedy recovery, Michael. Good luck to your pal. Get well soon and get out of the hospital and get home. Uh, have a good day. Um, Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. This will feed between 15 and 20 of you. Uh, so you got starters of chicken wings and chicken skewers and beef skewers. Then the main events include chicken wraps, chicken pittas and delicious beef, beef burgers. you got the Piri Piri sauce uh, and you got the salted fries, the rice and the waffle fries uh, with all the mayos and the garlic Piri mayo and everything. It's delicious food. Well worth checking out. Roosters, Piri Piri. And then you build your own cheesecake for dessert. All sorts of lovely toppings for you. Bueno and Nutella and Kinder Pieces and whatever you want to design your own cheesecake with. So you got a text uh, or WhatsApp text 086-8104-106. Tell us who you are and where you are and why you should be picked for food. And the Red Patrollers will be delivering at this lunchtime. Between 15 and 20 of you will be fed. So good morning to everybody at GRP Roofing Supplies in the Tremor Commercial Park. Uh, to everybody at Cotter Buildings in Ring of Skiddy, Pat McDonald Paints at Centre Park Road, Bespoke Hairdressing. Why should we win? Because we're mental busy and we could do with the fuel. The Complete Upholstery Centre and Foam Service in Barrack Street, the facilities and the porters working hard in Marymount Hospital and Hospice, to the Castleview Brothers of Charity staff in Glanmire under pressure because of understaffing St. Teresa's Oncology Ward at the Mercy and everybody at uh, Corrigan Specialist Couriers. Heat and Steels, my partner works there he's a hard worker, he leaves every morning for work at 7 o'clock and he comes home at 6, he goes farming most evenings, (laughs) he does all to support myself and the kids also a few of the lads down there recently had new babies and they're all working hard at heat and steel. I would love to recommend that they got Free Food Friday a bunch of genuinely lovely, hard-working men who deserve a treat. Well, that is a lovely endorsement of everybody at heat and steel. Thank you for that, Louise. Everybody at IQC Boston Scientific because it's Joanne's 40th birthday today. To DJ Snuffles and his team from the club party hire. They're playing every Friday in District 11 in Glanmark. Good spot. And finally for now, everybody at Union Hall smoked fish. So keep those text coming. That's the first bunch of shout-outs. Text 0868104106, who you are and where you are. And we'll do some more shout-outs in a half an hour's time. You know, you talk about people who are vulnerable. Poor old Lee and his €1,650. I'd love to have that fella caught. I really and truly would. It is an awfully cruel thing to do to take advantage of somebody uh, with uh, you know, with with special needs in that regard. It was the second time Lee got caught, lads. I only just found out this wasn't the first time. The first time he was caught, it was about a year ago. He's been robbed a few times, apparently. Kids telling him that they'll count his money for him robbing it he bought really cheap crappy jewellery uh, from people and he gave money for it he had, his rings were taken off him he's always been a victim uh, he was beaten up on the bus a few weeks ago uh, a guy that he had on Snapchat um, doesn't know the motive um, you know he's just a vulnerable lad and uh, this guy followed him it's awfully sad isn't it really truly so on top of all of that then uh, to be robbed of uh, 1650 euro um, he's, he's picked on a lot and I know 
know that a lot of people are very good and kind to him, particularly down in the Mahan area, but it only takes a few nasty individuals. You talk about the vulnerability of people like Lee, and then you see the story in the papers this morning uh, with regards to this carer who stole €45,000 from an elderly woman suffering with dementia. Forty-five grand left a few cent in the bank account by all accounts. That was in court yesterday, and Barry Roach is covering it, Southern Correspondent for the Irish Times, and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you doing? Awful story. And to be honest, not the first time we've had a story like this. But what actually happened? What is the story behind this one? Yeah, yeah, as you say, it's an awful story. A woman called Catherine Gregg, she's from the cottage at Ballantacashet, Belgooli, and she was in court yesterday. She pleaded guilty at the Circuit Criminal Court, in actual fact, earlier this year, to 17 sample counts of stealing money between September 18 and January 2022, and the total amount was over 45,000. Um, and she had a three year sentence uh, imposed by Judge Colin Daly with the final six months suspended. Uh, and he said she was guilty of a huge breach of trust when she stole the money from an elderly couple whom she'd been hired to care for through a care company. Uh, we heard evidence from Detective Garda Hugh Byrne of Bandon Garda Station, and he told the court how Greg had been hired by the elderly couple's adult children who lived abroad, took after the couple after their father, who was mentally very good, suffered a fall and broke his leg, and their mother, who had dementia, deteriorated. And she'd accessed the couple's finances via Bank of Ireland debit card, but there was no... Um, untoward activity and that should we say the man died in May 2019 and then sometime later the woman moved to a care home in Wales to be near her daughter mm. and as a result of that they put the house up for sale and went through the house they found the Bank of Ireland uh, documentation but they found nothing else regarding bank activity but they handed over material to a solicitor who uncovered this Ulster Bank account or details of this Ulster Bank account from which money was being taken and they knew so nothing they, about that account nor the money in it the family no the family knew nothing about that they contacted the guardie detective Hugh Byrne as I say in, in Bandon uh, investigated it he found a total of 103 payments, including 28,000 that had been paid in 15 electronic fund transfers to Greg's bank account in sums, varying sums, but as much as 3,500 in some transactions. He also discovered money being withdrawn using an ATM card, uh, I think on 16 occasions. And uh, that, they, they, that those withdrawals been used for small items such as groceries, but also she had withdrawn 4,000 or used it to pay for horse tack. And the total loss of the family, he said, was over 45,000. When you add the two of them together, it came to 45,000. 45, 45, 45, I think 755. And, and how, when, when did the thefts begin, do you know? Uh, they began two weeks or two months after the man's death in. Uh, 2019, I think, or, um, or certainly, I'm sorry, the charges from September 18. Um, but she drained the account on several occasions. The woman's pension payments paid in some money, but being topped back up, so she would wait for money to come in and then take it again. But at the end of it all, by the time it was actually undiscovered, the crime, there was just 80 cents left in the account. That was all that was left. So she had, as I say, over 45,000 taken. Gardy arrested her. Uh, she was arrested and brought to Bandon Garda Station question. She made full admissions and she made, um, she also uh, expressed remorse. He said she had a number of previous convictions for theft from the early 2000s. The amounts were small, but the offences related to taking money from her postmates and for a family whom she was babysitting, and that was picked up on by the judge later. Um, and there were convictions, were they? There were convictions yeah. all in the district court, so the amounts were quite small, but the judge picked up on the issue of trust uh, later in his sentencing. But we heard some, our detective Scarlett Byrne was cross-examined by um, Paul McCarthy, defence barrister, and he agreed that Greg was remorseful and he accepted she was under the care of a GP and suffering from anxiety while she also was a single mother caring for an 18-year-old daughter and an elderly father with dementia. 
So she said, um, Paul McCarthy said she expresses her remorse and her shame for actions. And she said, I'm instructed to say she would have liked to pay the money, but she's not in a financial position to, do, to bring the money before the court. And she expresses her full unequivocal apology to the family for whatever it's worth. So Judge Daly noted the evidence that uh, the couple's children had about the documentation um, and the fact how it came to light he said there was clearly an element of premeditation and she deprived an elderly couple certainly an elderly woman of significant amount of money money that this woman may yet need the breach of trust of the entire family who entrusted the care of their mother to the accused was extreme she took advantage he said of an elderly woman at the most exceptionally and extremely vulnerable time in her life and he said he believed there was a high level of culpability and, he'd ca- and she had caused serious harm to the family in that it had deprived the woman of funds for her future care totally. he said there was an enormous breach of trust and she comes before the court with previous convictions for similar offences. He said they may be historical but they showed a similar lack of regard and abuse across that almost by placing her and this is an aggravating factor. And then he referred to her own situation. He said she's a single mother caring for her daughter and caring for her own father's dementia and he said the irony of this case where she's now going to have to place her trust in somebody else to look after her father is not lost in this court. He noted she'd apologised, as I said, to the couple's adult children, but it was clear from their victim impact statement, which he read, but wasn't read out in court, that they had very little time for her apology or her expression yes, of remorse. Yes. So he imposed, as I say, a three years sentence, but he suspended the last six months. Paula McCarthy had asked that any sentence, custodial sentence, if he was to impose it, would be deferred till after Christmas, so she would have a chance to put arrangements in place for the care of her father and, and her, her, her daughter. And he agreed to that, so he's put it back to January the 4th. Uh, to allow her to do that right. and she will have to surrender to the Garda station on that day to and Tell me uh, this uh, tell me the, how did Catherine Gregg react to the sentence? Uh, she seemed subdued to be honest uh, during the whole, the whole thing she only spoke to sort of she had to give an undertaking to um, be a good behaviour for the six months and she she did that but she, she it was we heard the evidence in the morning and then he adjourned over lunch to consider it and he came back at two o'clock so she had time to sort of I suppose um Dwell on problems. I mean, it was, it was a hard case to yeah. decide in sense because the woman had difficulties herself in terms of depression, but also particularly the father that she had to look after. I know she had loads of the, opportunity to stop, though, time after time after yeah, time. Yeah, and that was one of the things. You know that it sort of it went on, as I say. The charges are from September, September 18, January 22, like it's a sustained period. And uh, it's a lot of money, but the fact that, you know, the thing was drained down, emptied, more or less, and then pension payments would come in, just go back again. And the fact that at the end of it all, there was only 80 cents left. I mean, that was pretty, um, she really and, sucked to dry, you know. Yeah, and, and, um, and do you think that the, I'm only asking you, you know, I'm just curious, because I'm curious as to, would the bank repay that money considering the circumstances? Do you think, I mean... I'm not sure. I know they Isn't do want credit card fraud and things like that, don't they? If you've been the but if they knew thing. the circumstances of how it happened and, you know, to whom it happened, that the banks might yeah. say, you know, we'll make uh, good yeah, on that. Uh, well, we heard from Detective Gerda Byrne that there was no money had been recovered, nothing had been recovered. So the family and this woman who is now in care um, in a nursing home in Wales is 45,000 plus out of pocket, you know. And you could understand why her family perhaps weren't too... Uh, willing to countenance any apology or anything like that. You can't blame them. They must be absolutely hard. It's a mean crime, you know, a mean crime with somebody, you know, talking about vulnerability. I mean, as the judge said, this woman, the elderly woman was at Hotel Fraser's at the most exceptionally and extremely vulnerable time of her life. So, yeah, and, and just one final one. Uh, did, did it come up at all then about somebody who would be caring for vulnerable people 
uh, with convictions in the past vis-a-vis Garda vetting or anything? No, we were talking about that afterwards. No, it didn't come up in court, but I mean, given that if you want to get involved in a GA club or a soccer club or a rugby club or underage sports with kids, any contact like that, you're Garda vetted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, surely it should be possible in terms of people dealing with vulnerable people, be it in terms of financial um, uh, bad behaviour or misbehaviour or anything that, again, there should be some sort of clearance there. Perhaps it might be something that the Minister for Justice or somebody might look at certain Absolutely. things. And yeah. maybe maybe somebody like Paddy O'Brien might, might raise it because he's obviously very vocal on there. Yeah, he might the, be worth a chat, actually, because I'm quite yeah. sure he, he, he has other stories like the one that was shared in yeah. court yesterday. I mean, it's not the, yeah. it's not the first time no, it's not. across no. cases of carers or, or people who are having access to elderly people's funds, elderly people who may be living alone or may yeah, not have yeah. um, offspring or, or, or children to monitor and things like that. Um, I can think of one that I covered in Bantry again, somebody in a nursing home and somebody offered to help out and uh, took money from an account uh, there. Uh, so, you know, it's something maybe that could be looked at in terms of particularly those going into houses who uh, wouldn't be able to place people in that situation. So the court, would the court ever put a stop on somebody's earnings where the victim would be paid back uh, a proportionate amount over the years? Nothing like that? No? No, and I don't think this woman is working at the moment. From yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I'm just wondering what yeah, they were so doing. As okay. I said, it was just... Um, it was indicated that she don't, she wasn't in a financial position to pay it back. But I mean, forty five thousand is a lot to be paid back as well. You know, I mean, uh, for most people, I presume you're talking several years before they'd be able to put that sort of money. All right, together, yeah. all right, okay, yeah. Barry. Thank you so much for that. That resulted in a three year suspend, three year sentence with six months suspended yesterday for Catherine Gregg. Thank you, Barry. As always, have a great weekend, Barry Rhodes, on the correspondent with the Irish Times. Can I just take some time? Actually, I wasn't planning on doing this now, but it actually makes sense. So it was a question I asked Barry Rhodes there as to whether the banks would repay money like that, considering the circumstances of which it was taken and stolen. I mean, they they make huge profits anyway. The banks, you would think that. Maybe they might consider it. But I mention it because I came across an article. Um, I've often spoken about Katie Morley in the past. She has a consumer column in the Daily Telegraph of a Saturday morning. And she takes on the cases of people who need help. Uh, and uh, she's, got a, she's a very powerful woman and has really, really great results in cases that she takes on. And she investigated one. Uh, here, here is the, It involved a bank, but it's an astonishing story. I think it is anyway. It's, um, it's a, a, you know, 310,000 euro worth uh, of an inheritance. So the, the actual letter that was sent to her said, like many, my life hasn't been an easy one. In 2002, when I was 48, my husband died of bowel cancer, leaving my two sons, then 17 and 20, with no father. Um, I'm, I'm only giving you snippets of a, a much longer article, incidentally. In 2010, I retired from my teaching job and began supporting my elderly parents. My father was suffering from dementia. Um, I uh, also uh, lost my sister at the age of 54. Um, After my husband died, I was on my own for nine years, but in 2011 I found happiness with someone else. However, after three short years together, tragedy struck again, and he was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he passed away in January of 2022. In March of this year, my daughter-in-law asked me how I was feeling, and I remember saying I was feeling lonely. Uh, but I didn't feel alone. Anyway, she suggested I join an online dating site. So I did. In March of this year, I joined a site called Our Time, which is for over 50s, and I met someone. Uh, We emailed for a month, but we didn't meet up. He suggested we chat on WhatsApp, but we never FaceTimed or anything. 
I was made to feel wonderful, but looking back, I was incredibly naive and desperate. But he was manipulative, controlling, and subtly threatening. But I did love him. Suddenly, out of the blue, he told me he was going to Dubai on business, but he'd be back in July. He was securing broadcasting and video equipment, he said. However, every time he was going to return to the UK, something got in the way. He said his contract could only be completed if he could secure funds to have the equipment shipped and this is where I offered my help. So I started with a loan of £11,500 and in the end I gave him a total of £310,000. It was only after a friend snapped me back to reality that I realised it was all one big con. I'm ashamed and embarrassed. I loathe myself. I've handed the money I inherited from my parents, which was supposed to be for future generations, to a criminal. I've reported the fraud to my bank, HSBC, but I feel it has let me down so badly by failing to protect me from the scam that I hold zero hope that I'll ever see a penny of my money again. Um, the reality... Okay, so that was um, just a paraphrase of a much longer letter that uh, she sent to uh, Katie Morley. So this is, you know, you, you talk about Barry Roach and the woman who stole 45 grand. You talk about Lee and what happened to him, vulnerable lad, the hands of a criminal, took all his money on the bus, 1,650 euro. So anyway, that's the story. Or is it the story? So anyway, Katie Morley responds to the woman's letter. She says, the reality was... That in your vulnerable and lonely state, this professional con artist worked on you so expertly that you felt like you were living in a fantasy universe he had created for you both. He claimed to be a widower who was unable to have children and you poured your hearts out to each other. Um, It was shortly after this that the scam started. In July... Katie Morley says, because she checked the bank accounts with HSBC. In July, the first transfer was made and you continued making them until September. In total, you sent 31 payments to him. During this time, you say you received five generic written fraud warnings from HSBC, but you say they meant nothing to you, right? Fraud warnings, alerts from HSBC every time she did the transaction. However, when I asked HSBC, it said... You were showing you were shown customer warnings for every transaction you carried out. HSBC said it spoke to you nine times on the phone to discuss payments. At one point, you referred to the scammer as your husband, the bank said, and when questioned directly, stated that you met him in person and that you had a long-standing relationship with him. So although you still feel let down by the bank, it's fair to say it might have been able to protect you better had you been completely truthful or indeed follow the warnings and the alerts. Anyway, HSC, HSBC then spent weeks thoroughly reviewing your case, including hundreds of messages between you and the scammer. After a few days, a refund sum of three grand went into your account. This was funds that they were able to recover from the fraudster, but the rest of the money they couldn't. But several weeks later, HSBC informed you of its life-changing decision to provide you with the further refund of €307,000. So they gave all the losses back to her. Someone reading this article may struggle to understand how you can have fallen for this ruse, but none of us is foolproof, especially in the wrong circumstances. I hope you'll never find that happening to you again. The bank said they were sorry to hear the customer had been a victim of romance fraud presented with the customer warnings every time. We spoke to her nine times in different payments, but they reviewed the case and they gave her all her money back. I mean, who'd have thought 
it would end up like that, considering the phone calls, the warnings, the fraud alerts. But still, I don't know whether they you know, didn't want to get bad publicity in the Telegraph on Saturday or what have you, but she got the whole lot back. And I found that extraordinary that she would get the whole lot back. But anyway, I share it for what it's worth. Text 0868104106. To live and breaking news we go. My apologies to Paul Byrne, Southern correspondent with, the, with, the, with Virgin Media, because there's some issue going on up in the Valley Valan area this morning and he's covering it. Paul, good morning. My apologies. What have you got? Not at all, Neil. Um, basically, it's part of the ongoing feud uh, between a number of families. You know, there has been shots fired in um, Denfield Park. There's been shots fired at the uh, site on Spring Lane in the last number of weeks. And this morning, uh, detectives from stations across the, the city uh, have been carrying out a number of raids as part of the, the, the feud, uh, searching for evidence or anything to link um, people involved to the feud. Basically, uh, one of the areas searched this morning where it was a house at Glenfields Park in Ballyvillan. Um, it's um, in lockdown at the moment, the area. The residents have been told to uh, stay indoors. Um, there's a genuine sense of fear up there among the there residents. Is, and you, you, you've got to feel very, very sorry for them because, you know, there are a, a great bunch of people up there in Glenfields and it's, it's a few uh, people are causing untold damage and uh, upset for them because of what's going on. Now, I've had but texts and emails from other residents living in that area and they're afraid to let their children out and they're petrified because of the neighbours that they're sharing the park with. So you are right there. Go ahead. Yeah, and again, you've got to feel sorry for them because, look, I mean, if people are, as I said to you the other day, if people coming in, if they're firing off warning shots, you just don't know what's going to happen in the crossfire. So basically, look, guards have uh, been carrying out a number of raids this morning, including one at a, a residence in Glenfield. Uh, there's, I suppose, 10 or 12 uh, guardy, including um, detectives, uh, uniformed guardy up there at the moment. Um, I, I believe uh, they have taken away some bits of uh, um, some few bits and pieces as part of their investigation. I don't uh, believe any weapons have been found. Uh, a boarded up house in the area has also been searched. Uh, my understanding is that they went in with an angle grinder to, to take down a, a gate there this morning. But um, look, if, if there's any firearms seized, that can only be described as a good thing. Any firearm off the, off the street, well, that, that's a win-win for everybody involved. Um, because they have but, seen the they have seen the videos of people with weaponry like that on their laps, right? That's right. You you saw the video the other night of people heading towards um, Spring Lane. Uh, two hatchets, three on board the car, uh, carrying two hatchets, and one had a sawn-off shotgun. Yeah. I thought initially that it was a handgun. It was actually a sawn-off shotgun. So, look, guards are out there looking for these weapons. They are stashed somewhere, and intelligence will lead the detectives eventually to, to get these weapons off the streets, and the sooner they're confiscated and seized, the better for all concerned. Yeah. What are we going to do with this feud, though? I mean, it just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. I know the guards are doing what they're doing this morning, um, but like, will, will, is it destined to get worse? Um, it, it will continue. And, I mean, it will worsen by the fact that if somebody is seriously injured or killed, I mean, all these warning shots and warning shots continue. Um, somebody is going to get seriously injured in, in, in one of these uh, among themselves. Hopefully no innocent member of the public gets caught up in the crossfire. But, look, you can talk to these people till the cows come home. There is no listening to them or no... Um, reasoning with them at times you know they, they, they'll just keep fighting and fighting till somebody drops So the talk of somebody mediating between the families is do you believe to be a waste of time? 
I know Councillor Ken O'Flynn has uh, offered to negotiate and meet with him. Whether they'll sit down with him or not, I don't know. And if they do, I reckon it'll just uh, go in one ear and out the other. Okay. But somebody has to go up there and get them together to try and hammer some sense into them. Because, again, I've come from Glenfields, and it's very sad to see the neighbours out there today extremely concerned and not being able to leave their housing estate because of a few gougers who are causing misery for others. I know what you're saying. Thanks, Paul. That's live news this morning from Ballyvalan. Appreciate it. Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News from Glenfields Estate in Ballyvalan. It's a story we've been following for the past 10 days or so. What happens next? Anybody's business and nobody knows. Back after the break, text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gork's Red FM. Sindidi, text 086-8104-106. Also for free Food Friday. Where you are, who you are, and why you should win food today. 15 or 20, up to 20 of you will be fed by Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So tell us who you are and where you're working. And we'll do the next bunch of shout-outs in about five, maybe 10, 15 minutes time. So you got texting, please. Text 086-8104-106. This is a story of celebration, lad. Um, and, you know, I know we've been talking about a, a lot of heartache in people's lives and, you know, a lot of fraudster stories this morning and people have been taken advantage of. But there are some happy stories out there, too. Can I talk to Pamela DC down west along? Pamela, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I have a great, fo- great colour photograph of you up in front of me now with your sunglasses on, all dressed up in your summer duds. And is it the galley head or the beacon or where is it? Mizzen, maybe? No. That was walking in um, Drummond League two weeks ago. Oh, my God. What a glorious spot. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was fantastic. Day. And, and, you know, I had wanted to talk to you yesterday. I didn't get time. Yesterday was World Pancreatic Cancer Day. You are a survivor. God almighty, the statistics for survival are shockingly bad, aren't they? Like five out of six people diagnosed each year, and there are 600. 500 will die. Yes, I, I, I'm a person who kind of has stayed away from the statistics. I know, but I'm just putting it in perspective, though. Them, yeah, when you read them and you see them in black and white in front of you, it is heartbreaking, I suppose. And I realise how fortunate I am. Out of six people, I am one person who is here, and the other five, unfortunately, have passed away. I know, and so there is the ca- there is there is a, it's not a great diagnosis. I don't want to no. mean to alarm people. You're absolutely right in that regard. But there's a campaign now called the Five in Six campaign, which is really just you know letting us know how devastating um, a diagnosis like this can be. How, how did you react to the news? Um, I suppose shock was what came into my head first of all. Um, Cancer had probably never knocked on my family's door until my mum, unfortunately, was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2012. That was my first interaction with cancer. And then when I got my own diagnosis, I suppose, on 7th of December 2018, I kind of realised the questions I needed to ask and what I needed to know. But the night I got my diagnosis, at like quarter to 10 that on the 7th of December, and when I was told that straight away in my head, it's game over. Oh, I didn't know anyone who ever survived pancreatic cancer but I, I thought about it for the whole night. I never slept and one bit of advice I would give anyone is do not go googling. Do not go looking for information I think because there's so many bad news stories as you said out yeah, there and yeah. for me I didn't do that but I knew the questions then to ask the following Actually, morning. that is a very evening. good piece of advice for anybody with any kind of an illness or indeed cancer because you, you can go down a rabbit hole online can't you? You can of course and like I did it myself 
with my mum, unfortunately. I went looking at all the statistics and everything for her. But when I got diagnosed myself then, I said, right, I'm not going down that road. I will do what I can do. I'll put my faith and trust basically into the doctors and the medical professionals. They know what they're at. I don't. And that's basically what I did. I turned up when I had to for appointments, turned up for scans, like everything that had to be done, I did. And basically, yeah, just left them to it. And, and why do they say silent cancer? Is it because it it's with you for so long before you realise it? Are there symptoms or what? Yes, I think um, the majority of cases um, when presented at hospital, um, unfortunately, the cancer has progressed through your pancreas. So the issue is, for me, luckily, it was John just presented with me that took me to the doctor. And when I went for my scan, my um, cancer was still only on the head of my pancreas. Okay, so was it that with your skin kind of turning kind of turning yellow? yellow. Was it? Yeah. 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 That was the only, um, you know, like all the different symptoms that are there, you know, tummy and back pain and digestive problems, poor appetite, changes in bowel habits, diagnosis of diabetes. I didn't have any of those symptoms. The only symptom for me were about a couple of months beforehand was severe tiredness. Right, yeah, yeah. And when you got that diagnosis, was it difficult to share it with the family? I remember getting the... When I was told that night, I didn't tell anyone. I stayed in the bed awake, thinking of different things for the night. And the following morning, the oncologist in the hospital came in to see me and he said, have you told your family? And I said, no. And my son was heading off with a group of friends going skiing That in two weeks after I got my diagnosis. And I think as a child, once you hear that a parent has cancer, you grow up overnight. It's an instant aging process and your world is never the same again. So I didn't want to tell him. And my oncologist said, how old is he? And I said, he's 21. And he said, for God's sake, tell him. He said, things have progressed. Medicine has improved. There's medications for nausea. He said, just tell them and we'll start from here. I love his attitude. I really do. His go get, let's fix this attitude. I mean, we'll know of, we'll know of this cancer because of Aretha Franklin. It took Aretha Franklin. It took Luciano Pavarotti, didn't it? And Patrick Swayze as well. So you had the yeah. knowledge. And did you sit them down and say, this is what I have. I'm going to fight this. Well, I suppose because I was in hospital and I ended up in hospital throughout that week having all sorts of tests and everything done. And I rang, the first person I rang was my dad to tell him because he'd been down the road before my mum. And then my son, so I spoke to the two of them and my brother said he called to the house that day and my dad was in one room crying and my son was in another oh, you know, room crying. Mac. And um, things were emotional kind of for the day. They all landed to Cork and my family did. And I said, you know, I just have to get on with it. I was always a person who'd have seen the glass, I suppose, as half full as opposed to half empty. So I said, here goes. I just have to go on this road. And I, it's a journey that no one else, unfortunately, can do for I know, me. I know. It's up to me to do it. Yeah, I know, I know. There was a period of time before you started the chemo, but you got into the chemo, you got into the radiation, you're on the flat, you're back in the CUH for God knows how long. Um you must have got very down out of it, though. There must have been very bleak days. There was, and there was days that I did not move out of the bed. I had a lot of issues with drains and things, and I ended up, on, as you said, on the flat of my back for six weeks. But then my surgeon decided to let me go home for two weeks to try and build up a bit of strength. I had a lot of um, cacaxia, which is severe muscle wastage. Yeah. So because of lying in bed and not moving, I put my, back my recovery by about six months. The dietitian told me afterwards, 
So in those days, I was just lying there in severe pain, counting down the time for an injection. And anyone who knows me knows I hate needles. So I'm who not doesn't? the best candidate for yeah. anything like that. And um, I used to be counting down the last five minutes for the four hours so I could get a pain relief injection. Yeah. How are you psychologically in the old in the old head? The old head is good. I used to always say when I was going through my treatment and afterwards and after my surgery, my mind was always 100% willing and able for everything. But unfortunately, my body was probably only at 20%. I used to think of all these lists of jobs that I would do at night time. And sure, inevitably, none of them got done because I just didn't have the physical strength. I needed a walking stick to try and get around up until 2021. I had lost seven and a half stone within a couple of weeks after my Whipple surgery. Within a couple of weeks? Within a couple of weeks, like if you go looking, I had to go and see a dietitian afterwards about trying to put on weight. And anyone who knows me beforehand, I used to be going to Uniflim and Weight Watchers and paying a tenner to be told you're up seven pounds. And here I couldn't put on a pound. So I had to try and readjust. Like it's you're a rewiring basically of your whole digestive system. Slowly doing that very slowly and like I when I think back now to what I would eat in a day then do you know maybe two mouthfuls of toast was probably my breakfast in the morning I might have a couple of spoons or something at lunchtime and I didn't feel like anything in the evening but I knew I had to keep my fluid up because if I didn't I'd end up back in hospital so I used to have like miniature packs of Harry Bowls and I might have two of them that's what my I would do my god isn't that, that's, that's a battle in itself isn't it yeah, it's to try and overcome that in your mind that I need these calories, I need the strength to keep me going. But unfortunately, my body wasn't willing to, you know, partake in anything. When did you get news then that things were looking good? After my Whipple surgery, which was done on the 15th of August in 2019, I got a letter in September to say, you know, they've remo- in that surgery, which is life-saving tur- surgery, but it's also life-altering. I am, they removed like the head of my pancreas, a piece of my stomach, my small intestine, your gallbladder, spleen, piece of my bile duct. So after all that surgery, I and then the lymph nodes around it, they obviously tested those bits for you know biopsies for cancer again. So I got that letter to say that you're cancer free. So I have never looked back. I said since fifteenth of August, twenty nineteen. Four years cancer free. What a great letter to get, though, huh? Oh, it was mighty. And I go for my scans and I go for my bloods and do everything I have to do. But like one thing as well is, you know, research is vital. And I'm a fierce advocate for research and I'm a patient advocate with Breakthrough Cancer Research in Cork. And if I had got my diagnosis 10 years ago, I definitely wouldn't be here today to tell my story. Well, you are one of the six. We are the one, you're the one in six. Yeah, that's what I you am. Are. And like also, we are so fortunate in Cork to have services of ARC. I did a Survive and Thrive course with them and I think that was a changing point for me because one thing that's never spoken about afterwards, I had severe survivor guilt and I used to get, you know, kind of that is what used to get me down because it was like, why am I still here? Because I did certainly not expect to survive my, you know, okay. treatment and everything. Okay, so but you, I went you, to, I you, spoke you, to counsellors and stuff there and it's just, you know, there's so many options there for anyone who's going to get that diagnosis. There is so you, so you, you weren't celebrating your survival. There was a period no. where you were feeling guilty of your survival. Yeah, and that's really that's a tough challenge, about, isn't it? I think it's important. Yeah. That is a tough challenge, actually. How do you rid yourself of that? Is it with the counselling? Yeah, 
I went for counselling and spoke out, you know, how I was feeling. And it's just that, like, there's nobody hasn't been touched by cancer. And the problem is we've all lost people. We've all lost loved ones. And it's, you know, why am I still here and they're not? Sorry, no, I'm just getting a bit emotional about it. But it, it definitely helps to talk about it. And I think as society in Ireland, we kind of hide behind, you know, the bravado and the exterior. But there is tough days and no I really I do admire your honesty anybody listening to this would really admire your honesty um, you know you went back to college then after that I believe is that right yes I'm, I'm in UCC today I am back studying um, religious and global diversity I'm um, involved at Access UCC so I'm an ambassador for mature students here in college and I will say that I registered with disability sports services last November here in the college and that was a lifesaver for me because I get fierce chronic fatigue still and through registering with the disability services I have access to a room where I can go for a nap during the day and you know just a bit of quiet time if I need it and things like that and that has definitely you know kind of made my, the highlight of my college career so far. Well done well done. You really are just powering ahead. I mean you might be getting tired now but hopefully that will improve um, the photograph I was referencing actually is in, in RSVP magazine. It was a beautiful, beautiful photograph um, and uh, you know, whatever whatever's coming down the track um, for others what advice would you give them? Well, I'll, my, what, like, my main piece of advice like, I'll just say hope is a um, very small but strong word and you know for the day that's in it yesterday which was World Pancreatic Cancer Day November is also Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month and by us all coming together I think we're fostering resilience and an awareness um, for a brighter future and like don't ever compare yourself to anyone else it's your own journey everyone's journey is different Mind yourself, you know, if you're in a room having treatment, you will look around you and you will see there's people who, you know, are getting on really well with their treatment and everything. But don't compare yourself. Your treatment is, you know, individualized for yourself. Um, You know, just take each day as it comes. You can do what you can do. Listen to your body. When you have to switch off, switch off. But, you know, I said my the surgery was life altering for me. But this year I have done a piece of the Camino in May with Rachel Cancer Research, which is happening again next May. I never in my life would have gone off with a group of strangers. And we headed off 26 of us last May um, as strangers, and we ended up coming back as friends, and I have great friendships built up from that. Well, there's a lot so of other legs like, in the Camino that you have to do yet, you know, so get on well, with it. There's, there's another one happening next May um, to finish there from Santiago with Breakthrough again and I'm going to put my name down for that again. I did that one actually. I did that one without hogging your limelight, Pamela. I did that one and it's a fabulous leg. Finisterre is right out on the coast. Way out there. Bit like like being down in West Cork. What? The sea has also been like major therapy for me. So heading from the church in Santiago, I think out towards the sea will be, you know, something to look forward to as well next year. Do you draw inspiration from the ocean? Oh, every day. Yeah, my wife is like that. Actually, she won't mind me saying it. She finds it a she finds it a powerful, inspirational tool. I think the I suppose the nature of the sea, you get so much solace and inspiration, and it's definitely been a great healer for me on my journey. You're the best. You're the best. I wish you well on your journey. It's a super story. Thank you so well, much for sharing. You're very kind. Can I just say one thing before yeah, I go, Neil? Yeah. 
my local football club, Castlehaven GA, or I'll talk about a plug, are in the Munster GA Senior Championship semi final <laughs> next Sunday in Dungarvan. So I'd like to wish them the very best of luck. Well, you want them to win, don't you? Of course I do. Of course you I, do. You know, I, I said we won the Munster or we won like Cork Championship <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And for me to stand on Parky Creed that day, I got really emotional. I cried my eyes out because I thought back to a few years previous where I was drugged to the Hilton Hospital trying to follow um, the results on Twitter of them playing. And then for me to be there and so many people not, it's just, you know, hope is a very small word, as I said. But just keep that to the front Absolutely. of your mind. Absolutely. But listen, it's your life. Go live it. Thanks so much, Neil, for sharing. Great talking to you, Pamela. Thanks so much for taking the call. You've been very honest and open and inspiration. Look after yourself. Regards to you all down west along, all right? Thanks a million. Bye. Pamela DC, and she is the one in six. Text 0868104106. Great story. Lovely woman. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. On a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So it'll feed between 15 and 20 of you. Chicken wings and chicken skewers and beef skewers and then the burgers and the chicken pittas and the chicken wraps and loads of size, sides. The Piri salted fries, the rice, and the, new, the newest edition, the waffle fries with mayo thrown in there as well. And you build your own cheesecake then with lots of different toppings. So next shout out for everybody at Corabeg Plant Nursery and Ovens. We'd love to treat all the hardworking staff. Good morning to Architectural and Metal Systems in Little Island. Uh, love some tasty treats of a Friday afternoon. Working hard. Urban Retreat Hair Salon are doing the same in Middleton. They'd share it with all of the customers today. Um, and also they have a new number. Would you please share it with your uh, listeners since the floods in uh, Middleton? And it's 089 253 5050 for Urban Retreat Hair Salon. Best of luck with the recovery. Barsley Developments and Cove are listening. They have a site full of hungry fellas who could do with a Friday treat. Sir, Sir Set. They've been out in the rain, working hard. Uh, and they need food as they're driving around Cork putting in new fibre broadband for everybody uh, Cope in the, on the Cork Road in Middleton Glen Community Crash. their National Pyjama Day is today is today National Pyjama Jam Day uh, Gym Jams Day I didn't know that um, definitely would have come to work in pyjamas not. Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road, EMH Technical Services in Ballancolic, the Dean Hotel, particularly the accommodation staff, Rockwell Engineering are listening in the installation workshop, Rath Beacon Fireplaces are on board, GC Autos in Fromoy and Mitchellstown. Morning, Brendan. SR Technics in Blackrock, Foley's Plumbing. Morning to Jack and Mark and Owen, they're flat out. Uh, everybody at the Kingsley Hotel, why should they win it? Because they work in hospitality and it's a very difficult time of the year. The decorations are going up for Christmas in the Kingsley today. Good stuff. DB Schenner in Little Island, DB Schenker in Little Island, uh, Engtech Engineering Supplies in Mallow, working hard. Just another few. Everybody at Crazy Monkey Skate and E Scooter Repair Shop in Douglas. Um, for all those at Ashgrove Recycling, um, people working at Tigers, uh, Tigers Pembroke. They say it is definitely pyjama day today because they're having pyjama day as well. Uh, Crosshaven Boatyard, morning to you all. Toss Bryan Expert in Formoy and Smurfit Kappa in Powderduff Industrial Estate. All loyal loyal listeners, morning to Agnes and all of the staff. I hope to do one more bunch of shout-outs this side of midday so you have about 10 minutes now to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 for free food Friday. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red.
FM. People very upset about what happened to Lee with that character. I hope he's caught. Uh, if you missed it earlier on this morning, he had €1,650 Euro taken off him by a character on a bus who knew uh, that he was vulnerable. I actually had to pull into the side of the road, Neil, because I can't see with the tears. It breaks my heart how cruel people can be. Uh, I don't have a whole pile, but I'd like to send that poor boy €30. Euro. I could send it to her aunt's Revolut account if she has one. I hope they catch that little scumbag, says Adele. Anybody that wants to contribute money, I'm sure it would be very much welcomed. Uh, oh my God, look at this one. I will give 500 euro towards Lee uh, and I will get him the tickets for the concert that he's looking for. I'll drop the money to your studio later on. I'm going to a meeting at Midday in Bishopstown. Don't give out my name. That is just a wonderful, kind gesture. It's just a beautiful thing. I'll make sure that that money goes to Lee and he will be so happy. Thank you to those two people who wanted to contribute. It's a shocking thing. I hope the culprit is found. I have a feeling that he will be. There's lots of evidence, including the CCTV on the bus, not to mention that they have an audio, audio recording of his voice as well. So anyway, hopefully we'll update on that story on Monday after they go to the guards and report it as a very serious crime. You know, you're talking about the goodness of people and the kindness of people. It's only gone and happened again. Uh, another child locked into a motor car. Uh, this time it's Anya Murphy's, or it was Anya Murphy's two-year-old daughter. Morning, Anya. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What happened with Freya? Oh, so yesterday um, she got locked into the car in Wilson Shopping Centre. So I was in panic, literally was an understatement. So I'd say she was there for about 20 minutes and never thought, I just couldn't get her out. I rang my husband, he was about an hour away. So um, so did she push the button down herself or something? Yeah, so I've had her tied in and she had the keys in her hand. She's obsessed with keys at the moment. So she had the keys in her hand and she literally, by the time I had the door locked, her door closed to open the boot she was after pressing the lock button <laughs> God almighty. yeah so I yeah I had the door closed her door closed announced to me and she went to the boot to put in the buggy and locked so I was like oh no so I said I was there for rookie rookie minutes. mistake there on you rookie yeah. mistake <laughs> So I was peering in the window then, press the bottom button, press the bottom button. So in fairness, she was trying, but she's only two, so sure she didn't have the strength to do it. And well, at least she I was, was trying. Too, I thought she'd be yeah. looking out at you, Googling and laughing and smiling and <laughs> thinking it was a game. No, and no, and she had a blankie then. So after about 15 minutes, the blankie fell and sure she was screeching for the blankie then. So I was saying, oh, so it was gone past about 20 minutes and this man... John Costello from Costello Kitchens passed and he said, are you in trouble? I said, yeah, she's after getting locked in the car. So all he did was shout out the window and said, Morgan O'Donovan, um, locksmith. I never thought of a locksmith. I was thinking that I was going to have to break the window. <laughs> so <laughs> I was panicking. So he, in fairness, I had, by the time I had uh, Morgan O'Donovan Googled, John was after coming back and he literally took out his phone and did all the chatting and calmed me down. So, you know they, so, you know they, they, they free children from cars for, for for nothing. You know that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that. Did, this is did you know that yeah. though beforehand? No, I I knew absolutely nothing. No, no, because it never happened to me before. Right. So I didn't never have. So to anyway, that. along came the caped crusader, <laughs> the caped crusader himself, Morgan. That's Morgan, yeah. Hi, yeah, hi Neil. How's it going, big fella? Hi, Anya. How are we doing? Hi, Morgan. How are you? I'm a lot better today now. What was she like? Good, was she, good. What was she like? Up to 90, I'd say, yeah? Oh. She was. She was stressed. All right, God bless her. Yeah. Not I a bother to you, though. After. All in a day's work. <laughs> what, what, how'd, how'd you get it open, anyway? Did the child do it for um, you? I was able to pick it. 
I picked it. I couldn't get the child to press the button. <laughs> you didn't kind of, you didn't, um, you didn't kind of, um, you know, wave a packet of Smarties in front of the child or a packet of Haribo or something. <laughs> no, no, no. I wished. I wished. So what is no. it like? A, is it like an open coat hanger goes down the side of the glass or what? No, you see, these cards are all deadlocked, the modern cards. So you have to pick the door lock. All oh, right, it's the lock. Yeah, so when you pick the door lock, then you can open the door and. What was and, uh, the, what was the time was over then? How long yeah. did that take? Um, about five minutes. Do you ever time yourself yeah. for the? Do you ever time yourself on those jobs, Morgan? I wonder. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mammy, Mammy oh. was delighted then when she heard the door lock open. She was. So I ran over and gave him a big hug and everything. Did you, did you, try, and, did you try and pay him? Yeah, sure, that's it. And I said, I yeah. Absolutely no, that's it, absolutely nothing. He wouldn't take a penny. So I was saying, you know what, between John and himself now, there is good people in the world. Like, you know, I couldn't be more grateful because I was thinking of shattered glass everywhere. I never thought of locksmith up to 90. Like, And then she was roaring in the back of the car and Morgan was after telling John, because it was John that was on the phone to him, and he said, put on Peppa Pig or something on the phone and put, and put it on. And it worked. It worked for literally... Morgan was there in five minutes, literally five minutes, and it worked for three minutes, which felt like two hours, three hours to me. But Through the glass, is it? Peppa Pig through the glass. Yeah, on your phone. Yeah, Mr. Tumble. We put on Mr. She loves Mr. Tumble, so Mr. Tumble was playing in, playing through the glass, and that kept her quiet, so I didn't ever talk of that either. So You, you, you know, know Martin, something? Thank like, you. You know, I've heard this story. This is, this is obviously exclusively your story, but I've heard these stories loads of times over the year. And every time ADM locksmiths come out, they pop the lock for people and refuse to take any money. Yeah. So, Morgan, well yeah. done again, pal. Thank you very much. Yeah. And as I, I as I said to Anya, I understand she never wants to see me again, but I won't take a personal. <laughs> yeah, but if you're ever changing a lock at home or a front door or you need something, give them a call for as a paying customer, yeah. Anya, don't yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Morgan, you're saved in my phone now anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you so much. Well done, guys. Lovely story. Thank Delighted you. again. Morgan O'Donnell from ADM Security and Anya Murphy. And give, on, give uh, Freya a big hug for us for the weekend, will you? I will, of course. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. And don't Thank give her the keys anymore. Take the keys off her. <laughs> Lesson learned. Good luck, lads. Good luck. Thanks, John. Thanks, Morgan. Bye. You know, and, and into the bargain. Morgan is just a really nice guy and he's a great, funny, funny guy as well. So well done to all concerned. I can guarantee you this won't be the last conversation I'll be having like this. Of that you can be sure. Um, you know, people can be very kind. I was in Aldi in Blackpool on Wednesday afternoon, Neil. It was half past five. I found a wallet with loads of money in it. I handed it in to the manager of the store. I checked yesterday, and at that point, no one had collected the wallet. Perhaps if you give it a mention, somebody might notice that it's their wallet's gone missing. So I will do that. We lost a wallet in Blackpool. It was found in Aldi. Um, it's got loads of money in it, but you will have to bring some ID with you to prove that it's yours. But that's where it is. Neil, you're talking about the family r- switch on of the Christmas lights, or not, as it happens in Cork. I watched the switching on of the lights on Grafton Street in Dublin on the news last night. They had no problem whatsoever with crowd issues there. And that street is a lot narrower than Patrick Street or Grand Parade. The excuses from council do not add up, says Sean. Hope you get to read this out. I'll be talking more about Ozempic next week. This is a, a pill that actually was for people with diabetes to control the diabetes and help them with weight. But it's become hugely popular all over the world as, as a wonder drug for weight loss. 
I'll come back to it next week, but an interesting text here. I just finished my second week on Ozempic, and it's the worst thing ever. Constant nausea, zero energy, migraines, and anxiety. I will not be continuing it. I take it for diabetes, Neil, not for weight loss. Can I also, yeah, I'll come back to that on Monday for the people have stories to share with regards to these, uh, these wonder drugs. Listen, we have to wish a very happy birthday to Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners. It's her birthday today, and Rhonda in Cove texted me to remind me. So, Katrina Toomey and Penny Dinners, take a bow and happy birthday to you. There are lots more. Um, you know, we were talking about issues regarding um, what happened to Lee and the €1,650 that he was robbed of. He got it out of the credit union. That prompted a text. It says, I was in my local credit union on Wednesday, lodging money into my kids' savings account. I asked for the balance and they wouldn't give it to me. She said, once the children are age seven, they have to be present. And once they turn 13, they're in total control of their own account. But kids are growing up very fast, aren't they? Anyway, I think this is madness. These rules are coming from the central bank. Pure madness. Surely it should be under 18s that you would have control or people with special needs that their parents or their guardians should be present. Didn't know that. Sounds quite young to me as well. Anyway, text 86 I got a story after the ad break of a Cork guy who's done very good for himself. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. We all have passions in life, right? And for everyone, one of your passions would be, I'm quite sure, like me, would be family. For me, then, another one would be would be radio. I love working in radio and it never felt like a job and I'll do it for another few years, please God. The third would be tennis. I play a little of it, but I watch way too much of it, way too much of it. Could you imagine doing that, though, um, for a living or a job? It's, it must be for John Dolan, who does just that, the equivalent to me working on radio. He joins me by WhatsApp from the UK. John Dolan, good morning. Good morning, Neil, uh, and thanks for having me on. So yeah, little birdie, my mother who <laughs> listens to your show told me that you love your tennis, so I had to get in touch. Is Mammy and Daddy listening now? They might be. <laughs> Where are they? Hello, 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 hello Mummy and Daddy. They're in Monkstown. All right. So they have good taste, incidentally, if they're listening to this programme. <laughs> They have very good taste, yes. <laughs> anyway, I was intrigued by your story because you really have gone to the top echelons of the game on a professional and international level, albeit not as a player, though. But did you you started as an intern, did you? I did. Well, I mean, the, the, the story starts with, I mean, and this is, I suppose, the moral of the story, but I was 12 years of age down at Monkstown Tennis Club, um, like so many kids up and down the country would be playing their favourite sport. I had two younger sisters, uh, and it was my mother who got us into the sport, and having two younger sisters in particular, tennis is just perfect for that, because what other sport can you play when you have, you know, mixed gender siblings, you can play it at any age, and uh, you know, tennis is a fantastic sport. We're all biased, right? Yeah, we are. But my fa- my father um, was probably the one who gave me the belief that I could get a, a job in the sport. So, regardless of you know what stage you are in, in your journey, and you made a very good point around, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a professional to still realize your dreams, but it's really important that you have um, mentors um, along the way, whether it's your family, your parents, uh, siblings. Uh, but in my case, in particular, amongst them, you know, there were people like Frank Norberg, uh, David Healy, um, the Barry family, but in particular, Maura Brannock, who was a bit of a Judy Murray type. Um, she was a real driving force who 
um, encouraged a passion for the sport that so many of us developed and we went on to be good players. And so that love of the game started when I was 12 and, you know, kind of manifested itself a little bit. And then I was at university and um, a strange thing happened. And, and sometimes this is where it is fate in some ways. My father's mother passed away. Uh, she gave us a tiny sum of money. Um, and what else would I want to spend my money on other than some tennis uh, memorabilia? Back in the mid-90s, there wasn't, um, well, it was in the infancy of um, internet shopping and I decided to purchase some tennis books. So the tennis books arrived and uh, I opened them up and one of them, uh, well, actually two of them were the official media guides for the, the pro tours. And I was flicking through and I realized that there were people behind the scenes of ah, my favorite sport yeah. and flicking through um, and there was a phone number in there. We, we didn't have email. So um, yours truly, cheekily, decided to phone up America and Monaco and places like that and was asking these people, how does one go about getting a job for the pro tours? And they gave me some advice such as uh, work experience and internships and, and that kind of thing. So um, then my mind went a little bit into overdrive. And by the way, Dad, if you're listening, sorry about the uh, the phone bills, because luckily back in the mid-90s, we didn't have uh, itemized billing, so I got away with it. <laughs> he was probably wondering why the bills were so high. Um, there was somebody tapping so, in next door or something. <laughs> or, or, yeah. or um, So then I was starting to think about, OK, how can I make my CV as te- strategically, as tennis-specific as possible? So it was about getting um, uh, work experience with the likes of the Cork Examiner and I was doing all of this unpaid and I was kind of lucky in a way my younger sister she was quite a good tennis player she got to I think top five in the country in her age group Um, but I used to follow her around as a chaperone and uh, I had these kind of opportunities to start reporting on the junior and senior circuits. So I took it upon myself. I was very much a, a self-starter. So I started promoting tennis because there was a bit of a gap in the market in the Cork Examiner on radio, stuff like that. So I was getting my journalistic experience, which you probably know all about. Um, and then um, I started applying for formal internships with the ITF, um, the various different governing bodies of the sport, the ITF, ATP, WTA. It sounds like alphabet soup. So let's to that for the time that we have. So you then started interning after you finished your degree with the Women's Tennis Association of the UK. You, you were head of their communications. The Women's Tennis Association controls all the professional women's tennis and the tour, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So did you end up then traveling to all of the major tournaments? Yes, for my sins. Um, so I became very good at packing quickly. Um, but essentially what you have to do is you are the conduit between the athletes and the outside world in terms of um, managing these promotional opportunities, whether it's speaking to the media, doing kid, kids clinics, uh, promoting the sports. So, yeah, I traveled about so 25. You, 25 what? 25 weeks a year, 30 weeks a year. So, yeah, it was pretty intense. So did that mean that on, through all those years you were up close and personal with the players? Yes, like whom? Um, well, I was doing it. Well, I, I still am doing it. But um, so th- that particular period, it would have been Steffi Graf, Monica Sellers, the Williams sisters, um, Anna wow. Kournikova, Martina Hingis, all of them. Yeah. And what are they all like? Are they nice, approachable? Um, it's a good question because I was thinking about this. Um, it's much easier when you meet these people for the first time face to face. I'm not going to lie. I did find it a bit more challenging, um, initially working with Steffi and Monica because I grew up watching them on TV and, you know, the same, I was a young boy watching, you know, Courier Agassi, these, 
these players and when you see someone on TV for the first time it has this ability to make someone appear Pre- larger than life yeah, and you also prejudge them don't you um, yes and no, but it was just so much easier, Neil, to work with with Hingis, um, the Williamses, because the first time I met them, I, I'd barely seen them on TV. When I started interning with the tour, this was 97, so Serena hadn't yet made her pro debut. So the first time I met her was as a teenage young woman, um, teenage girl. So I didn't have any kind of preconceived notions, and then they become as normal as you and I. Yeah, and, and that, in that case of somebody starting out like the Williams sisters, for those years, 12 of them then, you would have seen them progress and become more and more successful, winning more and more titles and slams. That must have been an amazing journey to go with them on. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, it was, I mean, one memory that sticks to mind um, where I was very fortunate. I happened to be at the particular event a number of times where um, the likes of um, uh, Lindsay Davenport, um, Jennifer Capriati, and in particular Serena, I remember this vividly. I was at Wimbledon 2002 when I think she won her semi-final and um, by virtue of winning that match, she went to number one in the world for the first time. And um, I think this is on YouTube somewhere, but um, um, I'm telling her after the match, before she does an interview with NBC in the States, that she's got to number one in the world and just seeing the flood of emotion pour out of her and just see um, oh my God, man. the, the, the realisation of, you know, 20 years, because she must have started playing tennis when she was four and actually less if she would have been, she was only 20 when she got to number one. So 16 years of dedication come to fruition and you don't realise it at the time, but me now looking back, I realise how privileged I was. To oh my God, talk about being privileged in a job that you love as a passion, as a sport. You managed Kim Cloisters then, that was at a time when she came back from being a mum and played very well after it, so, so did Serena Williams incidentally, but mm. also, also did the Olympics. Um, yeah, I did the, the Olympics in 2012, yeah. yeah. Did, you work with, did you work with Andy Murray at the Olympics, I wonder? Yeah, so the, well, the, the Olympics is a good story because um, once I finished with Kim Kleister's, uh, and she was very successful in her um, second career as, as a mother. Her father passed away. She'd given birth and she was uh, uh, she got back to number one in the world. And that was an amazing journey that then led to London 2012, which I did for a year. And seeing Andy Murray win gold at the London 2012 Olympics, I thought, hmm, this could be my next career move. And um, out of the blue, the, the LTA, the, um, the governing Long body tennis for tennis in yeah. the UK, yeah, they, they phoned me up and said, would you be interested in, in heading up our media team? But it was by virtue of Andy winning the gold medal, I thought that actually now British tennis is in a, is in a really good place. And it has been increasingly so over the last 10 years with you know the likes of Emma Raducanu, um, Johanna Conta um, winning the Davis Cup. I mean, we've had so many highs um, in that uh, 10, 11 years that mm, I've been with them. Mm, mm. You're very comfortable around the tennis stars then, are you? You're, you're used to living in that world. And I know you're out of a suitcase in different hotels, but four corners of the world wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be alien to you. You've been everywhere if you're, if you're on the tour all the time. Yeah, I think the last time I counted, I've been to 40 countries. But, you know, in some ways, Neil, it's all relative. I mean, it, for me, it's what puts the... The, the the bread on the table it's 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 my living um you know my father you know once said to me john whatever you do in life make it your passion dream big um and really enjoy it and and i i took those words to heart and that would be my advice to any parent or child listening that just because you're not the greatest um uh, athlete or, they, or, or you you're not going to make it as a professional um athlete in, in whatever your chosen field is there are still opportunities that you can do behind the scenes such as what i did yeah i'm watching the nito at the moment which is the men's finals the top eight are you watching that at the moment 
Yes, I am. Um, p- partly with one eye on Mr. Djokovic because uh, we in Great Britain will be playing him next Thursday evening um, in Malaga for the Davis Cup. We have a really tough draw. So I'm hoping he gets all the way to the final. He gets absolutely exhausted. And <laughs> whoever on our team plays him, whether it's Andy or Cam Norrie, um, he's, um, he's one step slower. But yeah, we've got a very so tough have you met Have you Cup. met Djokovic? Or for that matter, if you're working in the comms area, communications, have you, have you liaised with McEnroe and these people or Borg and things? Um, yeah, to, to a certain extent. I, I remember when I was at the WTA, one of my roles there was um, briefing the commentators um, in the mornings on various different stories, statistics, um, before they would go on air. And I have to say, McEnroe wasn't my favourite. No, because um, he comes across as if he's turned his life around. He's just Mr. Nice Guy now, no? Um, <laughs> let, 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 let's just say he wasn't a fan of, of knowing too many facts, um, whereas there are other people like, um, I'll give you an example, of Sue Barker or Annabelle Croft, who um, that they can never know enough information. And, you know, Sue was number, I think, three in the world, consummate broadcaster, um, Annabelle, so many of them. Um, it's just different styles of, of kind of how they work. Listen, I know, um, and the BBC should yeah. not have moved her out of that chair. It was awful, awful thing. It was very sad because uh, well, it was many long years. Do you want to agree, no? No, well, it was partly her decision. I mean, I did ask her that, and and uh, they did offer her an extension. And I'm not speaking out of turn here to uh, extend her contract, but she she's actually given me a piece of very good advice too. It's luckily it's hopefully going to be a good 10, 15 years away. But she said, when you're at the top, always go out on top. And, and she said, I want to go out on top before I start forgetting. What I I'm know, doing. I heard I heard that, but I, of, I often think, yeah, but they they are going to say that. I felt sorry for. Her. I wasn't aware really that they'd offered an extension because you know you hear that line all of the time. You know, it's my yeah. decision. I'm happy to do it but a lot of the time you wonder whether it's true but in that case it is so you're my new go-to guy now for tournament tickets this is just great um, I hate to tell you this but you might have to join the club a little bit so. no I don't think I, so I, we're two cork <laughs> men I, I go way up on that list pal um, well if you can do me a favour um, <laughs> no it's funny what, what, one year I seriously considered do, having my voicemail um, say hi this is John and by the way if you're looking for Wimbledon tickets you can um, skedaddle off because um, yeah and just all these people start coming out of the woodwork um, but the reality is I mean I only get four uh, Wimbledon I get lots of ground passes but four Wimbledon tickets a year and they're reserved for, oh, yeah, uh, but there's the French now there's the Australian there's Monte Carlo there's you know Indian Wells yes. there's all I mean I want to I want to spend a year travelling following the tennis tour that would be my absolute dream year just following the tour so you, you could <laughs> you could set up the itinerary for me couldn't <laughs> I could give you some tips in, in some hotels to uh, to stay in, that's for sure, yeah. Oh, you're a tough cookie boy. You're hard to bargain with. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, it's good to catch up. I'm delighted that things have worked out so well for you, following your dream and your passion. Fair play. Um, no, thank you so much, Neil. And, you know, it, it is it is possible. If you, if you dream big, those those dreams can be achieved. And um, it, it just takes a lot of a lot of hard work. But, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've achieved. And I was where my uh, my Irish heritage with, with pride. I mean, Ireland is such a fantastic country. It's my sanctuary that I love coming back to. And I, I really feel I'm a, like I'm a citizen of of two countries. So it's, um, you know, we, we often say in Ireland, too, that, oh, I, I wish I lived elsewhere. But trust me, having seen 40 odd countries, there's there's a lot Ireland has to offer. 
offer. You better believe it. Just finally, do you know Fergus Murphy, the umpire from Dublin? He's on I the do. World, he's on yeah. the world tour. I mean, he's like he's he's probably top three in the world now. I'd say. Now, now he's a nice guy. So, in addition to myself, I mean, Fergus and I, I think, are, are a similar age. So, I think Fergus and I were probably the 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 first two who um, from Ireland who maybe kind of like achieved that at that level. And there was a physio by the name of Elaine Brady. Uh, she went on to do very well at the WTA too a couple of years ago and, and married actually Andy Murray's ex coach. Um, she's she's a very nice lady. Okay, so okay. hopefully hopefully more Irish people um, will see that there there are plenty of opportunities to play tennis next and it's a great sport. Next time you're talking to Fergus, you just might ask him would he be interested in a chat. I'd love to chat with him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. might. Um, I could actually. I'll find out who the referee roster at the um, at the Davis Cup is next week because he tends to do Davis Cups a lot. But I'll, I'll definitely run into him. Uh, I'll be stage. good. Just I'll, a quick I'll phone try call and get with him. him. On the, yeah, yeah. Okay. No problem. Okay. Listen, I, I have your number now, so in more ways than oh, one. God. So I'm I'm going to plague you, man. Just be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and your, and your, and your mammy you. will also tell you give that lovely man tickets for the tennis <laughs> <laughs> she probably will alright um, man look after lovely yourself to talk to you take care you too. Bye John bye. Dolan have a good one talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 104 Cork's Red FM last bunch of free food Friday shout outs for the pharmacy department in the Mercy Hospital good morning to you all they're working hard and there's about 12 of them so it'll feed 15 to 20 of you pharmacy department in the Mercy as I say then AP Vaughan Recycling and Tower Power Haulage Limited they're on the road since 5 o'clock and freezing Dalgo Beauty Centre uh, Torrey Top Road morning Catherine SOS Recovery Castle Point Boatyard down in Crosshaven they do great work on boats RT Autos in Lower Colleen's the lads are flat out today everybody at ECI JCB and Carry Tool and the Animal Care Hospital in Douglas looking after all the cute animals and they need a treat morning to Amy they're all listening so we'll pick a winner in a few minutes time but as always playing out with some music again as we continue to celebrate Cork talent we've got Ricky Keller her in studio, hailing from Dripsy in County Cork, and very busy these days playing gigs at home and also overseas. I'll have a quick chat with him in a minute, but I love this part. Ricky, I love this part of the day because I get to count in professional musicians. So one, a two, a one, two, three, four. When I was a superstar, I loved the way I lived. Money, money, flowing in They wanted me to give and give I played my guitar on the stage Made people laugh and cry I played my one last encore And I waved them all goodbye But if a dream's a thought be anything I'm good right where I am Other people's walks of life I fail to understand of ups and downs, smiles and frowns, I laugh, kiss and I cry. I like the struggle and the ease, I don't want to say goodbye. When I was a rich man's son, well I never knew what I had. Never earned one thing in life, I got luxuries of my dad. Well I met a girl who I loved so, but she said I made her cry. Well, money don't mean nothing when we all have to say goodbye. Cause if a dream's a taught me anything, I'm good right where I am. Other people's walks of life I fail to understand. Of ups and downs, smiles and frowns, I laugh, kiss and I cry. I like the struggle and the 
days I don't want to say goodbye Then I was myself one day Kind of like the way it was I cared about the right things Didn't make a fuss When I left some people in too much They broke me while I cried But when I let the wrong ones go I was glad to say goodbye Because if dreams have taught me anything I'm good right where I am Other people's walks of life I fail to understand Of ups and downs, smiles and frowns I laugh, kiss and I cry I like the struggle and the ease I don't want to say goodbye Of ups and downs, smiles and frowns I laugh, kiss and I cry I like the struggle and the ease I don't want to say goodbye Yeehaw! Yeehaw! Love a bit of country, man. Absolutely. How yeah. about a bit of bluegrass? A bit of bluegrass. <laughs> Hang in there, I'll get back to you in a minute. We'll play out with another tune from Ricky Kelleher. I don't know, it just lifts my spirits in more ways than one. The great talent on Lee Side. Talking about talent and talking about Lee Side, the lights are coming on today, boys and girls. Five o'clock. Con Luxford is ready to do the business. He's out there and he's been checking bulbs and making sure that the reindeers are standing up and everything. Morning, Con. Good morning, Neil. How Bring are it you? on, pal. Bring it on. Ready to go. How are you keeping? I'm good. And yourself and all the family. Not too bad, sir. Not too How's bad. How's Aileen? Is she well? Oh, she's right. She's in the kitchen now listening to you. I hope she's got curly cake and all oh, this sort of tart for this afternoon. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So, and uh, we had a phone call this morning for, uh, from uh, Cocky of Port Neil. Yeah. Very sad news at the minute. Why? There's a, there's a delay. With Santa Claus? With Santa Claus. His flight is held up over the weather. That's what <laughs> have to give out to us. There's only a bit of rain, but hopefully it'll be <laughs> well gone by, by five o'clock. Well, we'll get him here, so we'll be on to him and we'll get him in somehow or another. Santa Claus is coming to Toker. You're just across from Super Value, aren't you? Just there. Just across from Super Value. And we have a surprise with Santa Claus today. <laughs> Go on. We have a surprise where Santa is he's going to pick two children out. Wow, to be helpers. Out and they're going to turn the lights. Oh my God. Is it? I bet you it's going to be spectacular again this year. As per usual, we hope it is anyway. And Jim Hanley did a lot for you out in Hanley's, didn't he? I'm half of my Jason. Jason put him up again this year. <laughs> so what can we expect? The whole outside, all the gardens and everything. There's a little, and there's also beautiful grottos, isn't there? It's gorgeous. There is, yeah. There is out the back, yeah. That's right, indeed. And then there's uh, the grotto the Handleys give us as well. Fair play to Jim Chris. and Wendy and the gang, yeah. A little birdie tells me it's your birthday on Sunday. It is indeed. The 7 0. Yeah, as, as Ronan Collins would say, a roundy birthday. <laughs> Do you know that it's Katrina Toomey's birthday today? I taste you that and the day every night tonight above in the Metropole. Oh, great. She deserves a good send, a good birthday. So all of the proceeds going to Penny Dinners again this year? Everything is going to Penny Dinners, Niall. And all of it, of it's course, indeed. was started. We all remember, I don't mean to upset you, of course, but poor Katrina loved Christmas, your daughter. Did she oh, just adore it? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. It's going to be a bit sad now for yourself as well. 
Yeah, you know, I, I am. I'm, I, that's the way the world goes. My father passed away. My mother that's passed right, away. But I'm you know, so, I'm so sorry about it'll that. Be, it'll be the first Christmas. Thank you, Con. That's lovely to think of us. Thank you so much. First Christmas without them. It is sad. It is. But it life, is, go- yeah. life goes on, pal, doesn't it? Uh, you, we'll just have to grin and bear it and put down the head and just get on with it as best we can. Value the time we have here, isn't it right, Con? There you have it, there you have it. So five, and, o'clock, uh, you, so five o'clock today, will it be dark enough at five? I suppose it will now. Well, it? Till, uh, well it could be extended to half past five before we... Uh, it all depends now on Corky or Fort Green and Santi for me. <laughs> but anyway, if everyone and anyone... If they don't get Santi in here today to me, I kill them. <laughs> <laughs> People will wait, don't you worry, and the kids are all invited, aren't they? Five o'clock. Oh, bring, please bring all the kids up to see this. All right, and it if anybody wants to give a few bob, there's a, a place to do it outside and all, isn't there? There is indeed. There's a bucket up on the wall for anybody who wants to make a contribution to any of them if it goes to, do, to them. You are, the kindest you are the kindest man to do this year out, year in and year out, all of the family. Have a great switch on. Santa Claus will arrive. He's magic. Don't you worry about that. Neil, thanks for having us on the show. All right, I really appreciate that. Mind yourself. Regards Thank to you all. Thank you. You mind yourself now. All right, too. kid. Take care. Con Luxford and his family. Beautiful family. Beautiful family. Lights go on today. Five o'clock. You want to be there. You have never seen such a spectacle of lights as they have in their house just across from Super Value there on the Toker Road. But last bit of business. Free Food Friday. This will feed between 15 and 20 of your courtesy of yourselves and Roosters Piri Piri. Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. We should have a load of a load of people who are plastered. And I don't mean with the booze. Company called CNP Plastering. Seamus. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. Are you on site somewhere or what's the story? I know, we're at my uh, boss's gas for plastering extension. All right, it's Jasmine called in because it's her husband's company. Is that the backstory to it? Yeah, bang on. Okay, fair play. So how many of you are there? There's uh, four working outside and then there's four working inside as well. Okay, so that's 80. Is there any electricians working there? Any plumbers? Anybody like that? There's more. There's, there's more on site. All right, well, this will feed 15 or 20 of you, up to 15 or 20 on site. So share it around with the rest of the, the chippies and the brickies and the plumbers and the, the sparks and stuff like that. All right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, thanks for listening. Any chance of an old shout-out? This is kind of an angry sort of a shout-out, but I'll take it all the same. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Take care to everybody at C&P Plastering. All right, my man, over to you. Um, I see, Ricky Kelleher, you've played, clearly you've played the southern states of America, like North Carolina, South Carolina, over Virginia, places like that, but also the beaches of Greece? Yes, yeah. uh, My uh, bandmate, Labus, he's from Greece. We went over this summer, did a... Did a few gigs, beach bars, and we did a... Oh, the beach bars, all yeah. right. So paid for gigs. I thought you were just strumming away on the sand. <laughs> no, 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 proper stuff. Do you, have uh, a good, do you have a good summer there? Brilliant, yeah. And we did a festival in Albania while we were there as well. So wow, man. So who's, what band is it? Call that Last Call. All right, are yeah. you playing anywhere locally? or? We yeah, we'll be playing in uh, JJ Walsh's next weekend. Good spot. And Dwyer's on okay. Sunday as well. Okay, yeah. what is it like? Do you do your own stuff, covers? So mostly covers, but we are writing our own music at the moment and we will be releasing hopefully next Year? Well, let me have a copy of that. You're from Dripsy. Do you know Ono Ravik the Piper? I absolutely do. Isn't yeah, he a great guy? My dad, He's yeah. a good friend of mine too. And, and me, yeah, yeah. Great piper and a great pipe maker. Very good. Yeah. All right, well, listen, give my regards to everybody in Dripsy. Are you going to play really? us out? What do you got for us? I'll do a Coldplay, Viva La Vida. Okay, I love the idea. Something. Lads, I love you and leave you. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. We're in studio with us, Ricky Kelleher, to play us out.
One, two, one, two, three, four. Martin a thing or two <laughs> I don't know about that I'm telling you I prefer your version of Coldplay <laughs> that's an absolute <laughs> a great thing to say mind yourself find a gap yourself take Cheers. care have a good weekend guys yeah. see you Monday for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts